This episode is brought to you by the following patrons. Cody, Ali, Jeremy, Mr. Ragebomb, Alex, Shining Donut 911, Nathan, Jennifer with a PH, Bo Easy, Lauren, Wes, Dreskel, Libby, Aaron, Jonathan, Tia, Danielle, Amy, Dave, Scott, Kate, Isaac, and Karoon. And all the patrons want you to know you're loved, you're listened to, and you're a valuable member of this awesome Horror Virgin community. And if you want to hang out with us, do so in the Facebook group and Discord servers where we hang out daily. So I like have to monitor the stats and the notes and stuff to make sure everything matches up and isn't weird. So I get a call from like the data analyst and they're like, hey, um, this one note, the person put that the person refused resources. And I was like, okay, well, sometimes people refuse resources. And she's like, the person was deceased. <laughs> <laughs> question though mikey was the person that like went to that call were they a medium like did they ask the dead person if they wanted <laughs> not <services>? once for yes <laughs> i like got her permission to like bring it out to the group and i was like hey so and so learned this lesson of like hey someone who is dead cannot refuse, refuse resources. resources you're actually collecting collateral information for other things that's okay and then i was like but I've ordered some new brochures, and then I dropped this picture into the group chat, and it was the handbook for the recently deceased from Beetlejuice. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, you guys made me watch The, the Black, Black Phone. Phone. So... This movie's like super recent, uh, like just came out this past year. It's free on Peacock. Only Peacock Premium, though. I pay for my Peacock, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, but I could have gone to the theater to see this. I am glad I didn't because it would have been scarier than it already was. But I actually I didn't find this movie that scary, but I really liked it. I didn't find this movie super scary, but pretty much every kid except for the one that was clearly going to go to jail for the rest of his life had he lived to adulthood. <laughs> every one of the reveals of the children and like you sort of see them and how they you can sort of deduce how he killed them based upon their injuries like. All of those reveals scared the shit out of me. Like, there were some jumpy moments in this movie. I do think it was a really good movie, though. Yeah. I don't know. Like, the whole repeating cycle of trauma allegory is very clear here, and they just do a really good job of, like, showing us that throughout this whole movie. Yeah, I had a real interesting moment in this film because the marketing of this movie, I think, is a little misguided. And I know that sounds crazy. Yeah. But sometimes when they market a movie, they make it seem one way when it's going to be not. And I wasn't really looking forward to this because the marketing of this movie felt like it was going to focus on the killer and he was going to be like the guy and that was going to be what the whole movie was about. But instead, it's so much more about like him and his relationship with his sister and him finding a way out and him using the work of everything before him. And it was so interesting, especially as somebody who's like into true crime and super into the Johnny Gosh case, like this was a great movie for me and I was pleasantly surprised by it but i felt as i was watching it i was like when i talked about wolf creek and how when you have a charismatic villain you have to be very careful that you don't just celebrate the villain that you actually have a story that they fit into this movie is a perfect case study for getting that right where you have a really interesting villain and a fascinating villain with weird quirks different things about him he is interesting he is scary 
but we're not celebrating him. He's still the villain. He can be cool and still definitively be the villain where you're still rooting for people to survive and rooting for your main character to fight. Mm-hmm. Just like an ex. I mean, kind <laughs> kind of an ex, except nobody nobody survived. Although, well, I guess they killed their they killed her an ex though. That one girl survives. Yeah, kind of, yeah. I'd say ex falls into that category too. Um, but I, th- I think that's kind of like when I'm looking for a really interesting villain in a story like this, this is a great, great utilization of that. Yeah, I do think that Ethan Hawke was great in this. The masks were fucking creepy and cool and the way they shot them was really cool. Like whoever lit this movie did a great job. Like the way the shadows play against the mask, I was super impressed with because like he can lean a certain way and it, it sort yeah. of changes the expression in some way. And it was like so cool. It was so I cool. I weird weird theory about the masks and I was that's why I was googling earlier in fun facts to try and find out and I couldn't find a definitive answer in one of the masks as he kind of turns it looks like and I don't I don't mean this to be a joke it looks like there's a nipple on one of the masks yeah I think the masks are made of the skin of the boys it looked like ivory I I would have to there's a book I need to I should read the. it's a short story by Joe Hill yeah yeah I should read the short story I wonder if that has more it looks gray I don't know what skin looks like when it's been removed and dried or whatever if you don't preserve it properly it's gray I I, I don't know like I feel like if you were walking around with a skin mask people would be like hey where'd you get that skin well but he's not really wearing them outside walking around he's wearing them outside no he's only wearing them inside when they see him outside he doesn't have the mask that's why he's got the balloon yeah, he's got white face paint on. Yeah. Oh, that's what it, you're right. You're right. You're right. Right. I one. I was surprised by the caliber of the main child actor and his sister. Very good. Dude, acting. His sister was so good, man. Love yeah. the coming. I like, love the growth of the character and him just walking out like, oh, I killed my kidnapper. I'm a badass. He just sits down with that lab part and he's like, we're going to fuck. Dude, in that last scene, he's like walking down the hallway. I was like, you can't tell by the way I killed that dude. (laughs) It was so good, man. I was very happy with the way this movie ended because a lot of these movies sort of end up nihilistically because they want to keep their villain alive so they can do sequels. And I am super here for a movie that sets up a cool ass villain and then kills him at the end because it's one self-contained story. Boy, do I have the movie for you. It's The Phantom Menace. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. Darth Maul's still alive in the Star Wars universe. Obi-Wan eventually kills him in the cartoons, but I don't want to talk about He's I, in the he's in one of the like live action shows, my dude. He's in Solo, which takes place before that. He gets killed off in Rebels. Uh get with the program. Okay, I mean I'm very honestly, I'm thrilled that that's the case. But also, doesn't he he end up being like half robot because of that fall down that shaft? Yes, his legs are robot, and then he becomes like a gangster to try to get back at Palpatine. It's like a long man. You know, the bigger the Star Wars universe expands the less I care about it like I just do not give a shit anymore I'll go see the movies fine but like I'm not gonna watch every TV show you make I don't know what makes me mad that like in 1979 if you're kidnapped you have a bigger place than the house that I bought and I think that that makes me really upset bro this is before Reaganomics yeah Absolutely. Ugh. They bought that house for $10,000 yeah. from, from having a summer job through college. Yeah. Had two houses. He had, he two, had houses. two houses and he was a part-time magician. This economy sucks. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I want to see this version of House Hunters. Yeah, I'm a murderer and part-time magician. What's your budget? I don't know. $150,000. Oh, you're going to buy two houses? Yeah. You want to buy two houses? Yeah. We can buy them across the street. There's so much basement space in all of these houses. <laughs> 
but I think you're right. I think it's, I thought the villain was really interesting and it didn't, you know, answer all of our questions about, cause I was like, oh, the happy mask, he's going to be nice. And then the mean mask, no. he's going to be mean. <laughs> yeah. No. no. Yeah. I did like how he would sometimes wear the upper part of the mask and not the bottom part of the mask or vice or, versa. Or vice yeah. versa. I thought <laughs> I was that like, was really interesting too. And then at the very end, when he gets the mask taken off of him and he like freaks out, I'm like, yeah. Okay, cool. So there's something there that we're never going to get to learn. And that didn't bother me. I was just like, this character is like way deeper than they're showing us in the story. And that is cool. So pay what did you think about shirtless Ethan Hawke in this film? I think he looks good for his age. Like, do you think it was a body double? Because the mask was on. No. He, there was no wrinkles. There was no hair. He was a little bulkier than when his shirt is on. I wondered the same thing. I actually did wonder the same thing in, in the one where his shirt was completely off. Only because he looked broader and thicker than Ethan Hawke did in clothes earlier. But... Then when they had him like kind of clothed still with the shirt off, it did kind of look like the same shirtless and that did look like him. And so I think maybe part of it is the angle they shot from that made him look bigger and imposing. And I think it was maybe intentional to make him look scarier. I think it was him. I, I'm, I'm going to say him, although I did also question. I thought it was him, okay. too, but I, I honestly don't know what he looks like shirtless. I would be here for a prequel to find out why he freaks out without the mask. Uh, same. And to learn the rules of the game, yeah. basically. The prequel is he was a drama kid in high school. <laughs> he has a magician's kit. His older brother always has to take him to school and all this bullshit. And then he ends up killing a bunch of kids as a and then killed his older brother. who and He was ungrateful for his older brother always being there sure i use cocaine every now and then but i figured out who murdered all those kids and it was you my younger brother i am just going to isolate mikey saying sure i use cocaine every now and then and just <laughs> drop that on social media for everyone to play with as much as they want i'm gonna burn a fun fact okay. uh, real quick so this is based on a short story by joe hill son of stephen king oh cool yeah in the original story because he based a lot of the elements of the grabber in his story around a few different people, like specifically um, Gacy, of course. I was going to say Gacy is the first one that comes to mind for me. So in the short story, he's not a magician. He's a clown. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, Gacy was a clown amongst other things, but yeah. Amongst other yeah. things. The reason they changed it to magician for this movie, especially because of the black balloons and everything. The reason they changed it is because it's Stephen King's son. And they thought the clown would be too close to it. Well, and then Magician, I mean, did you have some trouble watching this film being highly attracted to Ethan Hawke as a magician? Ah, damn it. No, I was I was not. Like, would you let him spit on you in that mask? I, I mean, I don't think you can spit with that mask. I was going to say, Paige, you can with the top part on and the bottom part off. Oh, yeah, just wearing the top part. Yeah. So he's got like <laughs> little horns and he's just spitting on you. I will say when he was sitting there shirtless, I was like, damn, Ethan Hawke. OK. Oh, I mean, I'm sure there are some people out there who when they see him shirtless holding the belt, they're like, "Ooh, giddy up. Honestly, though, <laughs> I, but at the same time, I was like. It wasn't as much as like Sebastian Stan and Fresh where you're like, I should ask some questions about myself for how attracted I am. This I was just like, OK, but still evil, super oh, evil yeah. and scary. Yeah, super <laughs> terrible, but like also kind of hot. I get that. Right. Like Darth Maul. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we can't go back to Darth <laughs> also Maul. Also had a bunch of horns on his head. So like. So, you know, he's horny. <laughs> Darth Maul. Fuck. <laughs> I love it. I mean, you know it, bro. He's got a he's double, got double saber. <laughs> we were both going there, Paige. Yeah. And he uses the force and he just goes. 
Mikey, no one can hear what you're doing with your finger. <laughs> I am quickly moving my finger like he's <laughs> rubbing a certain part with You got to go force. come you got to go, go come hither hither motion hither motion. with more than one finger. Yeah, two fingers. He is powerful in the force. He only needs to do this with the force finger. It's doing okay, all that. Okay, Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, my dick can give you cancer. Um, <laughs> there's no way anyone should kill that with, pussy I know, with cancer. Literally. Like, literally, Dr. Manhattan with, is radiation, guys. <laughs> oh, we need to talk about the anti-bullying campaign that this school needs to do in its halls. Oh. Yeah, we need to talk about how many teenagers just be fucking stabbing people in the 70s. Yeah, like when that guy was playing pinball and someone bumps into the thing and ruins the game, whatever. He pushes that kid and then one of that kid's friends pulls a knife like it's West Side Story. I was like, what is happening? And then the kid who was playing pinball, I think his name is Victor or whatever. Vince. Vince. Or Vance. Vance Hopper. It is Vance. You're right. That kid was either going to end up murdered, which sadly he does, or spend the rest of his days in jail because he was looking to kill somebody. Like I mean, or get that high score. Here's where I'm going to come in with a hot take. Okay. There was a lot of sociopathic kids at this school. He ended up picking a lot of them to murder. That's all I'm saying. No. So you're saying that this movie, in your mind, is a lot like the TV show Dexter? Except he's targeting children who will then become murderers, not people who are already murderers. Yes. That is a awesome, terrible take. Yeah. Terrible take. <laughs> I would say some of the children notably had difficulties at home. Yes. Which abductors have been known to target because they are maybe not supervised as much. Not all of them. Uh, like p- the paper boy is clearly a reference to Johnny Gosh, uh, of course. Yeah. And that was not necessarily a case of neglect or anything. He was just out delivering papers. And then you've got Bruce, who I think was just riding home alone. Wrong place, wrong wrong time. But you've got Vance, who it sounds like comes from a a troubled home. You have Robin, who we know his father died in Vietnam. And then you've got uh, Griffin, who we don't know as much. Like there's some of the other ones. There are indications that these kids were maybe not in the best place and that's probably why Ethan Hawke's character targeted them. Even when we look at Finn, I mean, Finn has an alcoholic father and a very abusive home life where people are not necessarily paying attention to who's coming and who's going where because they're not just, they're just not managing their home life well. And so he was kind of a perfect target as well. But it doesn't seem like he cases them. It seems like he just goes out, grabs the first kid closest to his house and ran and runs back to the house. Well, he couldn't do that because then people would see. So he does to a certain degree case them. He must be because he seems to catch them alone. Our main character, or I should say our main male character, the boy who gets taken, he gets taken on a Friday. Every mm-hmm. Friday, his sister goes and spends the night with a friend. That's, and these are all the things that like make me think he was casing people because he yes I think he definitely was casing that boy I think so too he didn't know his name until the paper well he that he just said that we don't know if he's well, telling the truth in truth I don't think he did but he doesn't need to know that to observe kids right like yeah if he could just like be 
posted up outside the school, like a few streets away, w- waiting to see who walks by. And then he recognizes them, you know? Right. I think the worst part is when he puts them into a box and to saw them in half and then they disappear. And then that's why when he kidnaps them, I think that's the worst part. Mikey, the sad <laughs> thing is he's just a bad magician. Like he's really good at making kids disappear. Right. He just can't make them reappear. Yeah. I mean, he's like the David Blaine of making kids disappear. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you know that basement is actually just a plexiglass box hanging over a crowd. He's like, dig up that grave. Was your card a nine of hearts? (laughs) 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 Maybe we should just get into this movie so we can talk about it scene by scene, Paige. So we open on a baseball game and it is the 70 ass 70s. And I love it. It's 1978. Oh, so African-Americans could finally hold the priesthood of the Mormon church. 78. Okay, cool. Oh, awesome. That is not the calendar I subscribe to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But in regards to missing people cases, as we know, because we talked about it before, Johnny Gosh is 1983. And that's the first time you see missing people on milk cartons. This movie does not make that mistake. There's no missing people on milk cartons. There's just flyers. But I do think part of the reason that this story and X and a couple others set their stories a little bit further back into history is because the 70s are known as the most violent decade in America. Uh, And most notable abductions around this time that happened in this way happened in like a string from like the 70s to the mid 80s. Yeah. And I mean, they still happen, obviously. But You don't find a guy burying nine kids in his basement anymore. I mean, you occasionally do, but there's a lot of modern technology and communication between departments that... Yeah, prevent that, hopefully. They they can't buy houses like that. <laughs> yeah, you can't afford a house with a He's basement. He's in an apartment. You can't bring nine children to bury in an apartment. You gotta be making six figures to be a mm-hmm. horrible kidnapping serial killer. <laughs> yes. Do you mean today? You have to be making seven figures to own two yeah, houses. True. Honestly, the saddest death in this movie is the American economy. (laughs) (laughs) Accurate, though. Or the brother, because obviously they inherited these houses, (laughs) and, like, he had money for cocaine and free time, and, like, and two houses, and you know that they co-owned them. I see. I don't think they co-owned them, because I don't think the brother knew about the other house, because otherwise he would have been like, why can't I just stay in the other house? Yeah, why don't I live in your second house, brother? Yes. You guys, I get around. I get along with my brother. I'd rather live with my brothers than by myself in the second house. Mikey, the thing that concerns me is in your brother's second house, it smells like shit all the time. Yeah, because dead bodies. Yeah, like decaying bodies smell terrible. Well, that's where we live across the street. The brother would have asked too many questions if he knew about that second house. The brother was already asking too many questions because cocaine. Yes. Cocaine almost solved this mystery. Yeah. Can you imagine being a serial killer and then you come downstairs after your brother's been on a two-day cocaine binge and there's a cork board with all of your killings on there and you're like... I kind of loved that in this movie. Um, But also that was a new thing, too, is that national news was now broadcasting serial killers. And that wasn't necessarily as normal before. So for the first time, people could nerd out that way. Like there are some really, really interesting studies on why the 70s were so violent. And it's like an interesting intersection of the emergence of new media, the economic downturn of the 70s people returning from Vietnam and having PTSD, but also potentially lead in our gas, making people crazy. And the atmosphere because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so it's like a 70s baseball game and Finn is pitching and he's doing great. He pitches one strike, two strike, but then the last one ends up being a home run. 
They lose the game. But as they're passing, the guy who hit the home run, Bruce, says to him, your arm is mint. You almost had me. Yeah. I like that, man. I do, too. Especially in, like, I don't know, like, no stakes sports, like, which I would consider children's sports, like, pretty low stakes. Like, no one's betting on that, right? And, uh, you know, they're just like, hey, it was a good game. You're great. I'm so glad I was able to hit that one ball off of you, but you're great. Like, I I like that they were opposing teammates, but, like, they were super supportive. I always, whenever I'm roast battling, if somebody else did really well, I will tell them that they did well. And I'll also laugh at their jokes on stage if they're funny. Because, like, yeah. you know, we're both good at this. That's why we're doing this. That's the whole thing. It's putting on a good show. But anyway, we cut to Bruce riding home on a bike. And we cut to Finn playing with his rocket. Bruce sees it kind of in the distance. An actual rocket, listeners. God. Yeah, because in the 70s, they had the little, like, the actual... I mean, you could still get those, I think. I'm sure you can, yeah. Um, But Bruce sees it, and as he turns back from looking at the rocket, he sees a black van rounding the corner ahead of him, and the credits roll. Yeah. Now, these credits are really interesting because they're overlaid on a lot of like shots of kids being injured and blood and band-aids and missing person posters. And this actually gives us a little preview because it's missing person posters of Bruce, but also of Finn. Yeah. So there is actually a couple of Finn in there. So it kind of like if you're looking really closely, it, it kind of foreshadows. So we cut to Finn having breakfast at his house with his father and he's slurping his cereal not loud he's just eating but his dad basically immediately is like can you do that louder they can hear you all the way in boulder and it's clear that his dad is the worst hungover and curt just like yeah his sister comes in and opens the bread box and the lid of it we actually have the same bread box in my house oh really yeah Uh, i thrifted it what up The lid's copper and it's got a cutting board on the inside. So it's actually pretty heavy. Yeah. And it's just held in place by like a plastic latch. So she turns the latch and it falls forward and clangs against the counter because it is heavy. Uh, And she apologizes. But it's literally like they're having to tiptoe around their dad because his hangover is so bad. So we cut to them walking to school. And they look at one of the missing posters for Bruce. And he asks her, you don't think they'll find them, do you? And she just says... Not how they want to. Yeah. Which is freaky and ominous, but such a great line. It's also true. Such a great line. Yes. It's so sad, but you know, that's typically how you find people is their bodies later on. Yeah. Uh, As they approach the school, they see Moose fighting Robin Ariano. Now, Robin is going to be significant later, but Robin is significantly smaller. He's just not scared he's just fearless basically yeah this little kid in bell bottoms roundhouse kicks this other kid in the face and it's fucking great it is you notice he's wrapped his knuckles in duct tape to punch better yeah and then he breaks through the duct tape yeah and and still bloodies his knuckles because he so he like he gets the other the larger kid down on the ground and then he pulls back and punches him repeatedly in the face directly in the face yeah like That kid is going to need fucking surgery or some shit. I expect nothing less at Lord of the Flies Middle School. (laughs) Yeah, oh my God. (laughs) There was a lot of violence at this middle school. It sort of felt like Let the Right One In. Do you guys remember that? Like, the bullies in that movie were like next level. And this felt like... Those kids almost murdered... Yes, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I mean, like... You have a you have a serial killer targeting kids. You have kids killing each other at school. I'd be like, this is not cool. This is not a cool place to live. Well, and they've nicknamed the the kidnapper a serial kidnapper. We don't know that he's a killer yet. I mean, one could assume because they have not found the children. But yeah, uh, 
called the grabber. Like they have a nickname for him. I'm like, why are you still letting your kids walk to school? We had a grabber once uh, when I worked someplace, and but he got let go for obvious reasons. Mikey, is this grabber on the Zoom call with us right now? It's Paige. <laughs> that would not have been my guess. So, Paige, I'm those files were sealed. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm not. Do you know Paige's favorite fish? Grouper. Groper. <laughs> Honestly, no notes. Love that joke. Leave it in. Actually. I do frequently grope the one person that works next to me because I work from home where my husband is. I grope him all the time. I'm a mandated reporter. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know, you can meet with Jake and see if he feels unsafe. <laughs> APS, I'd like to report a crime. A wife keeps grabbing her husband. Where? Like a, like a light pinch in the butt or just like rubbing the shoulders when he walks by. Yeah, pretty much. I'm worried about his well-being. <laughs> I'm worried he might feel too cozy. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday, I, I was on the phone with my parents and I was like, I don't know. I'm really distracted by my handsome coworker. <laughs> and they were like, you work from home. And I was like, I know. It's my new favorite joke. Anyway, <laughs> so as they're walking to school and they're talking about the grabber and Finn doesn't even want to say the word. And we do see the black van. Yeah. So the black van is casing them. It's clearly staking out the school, right? The school. Yeah. But again, why would you still let your kids walk to school if you know someone like that? That is around. Because it was the 70s and people left their doors unlocked, even though it was the most violent decade ever. I know. But, you know, this is the time period like boomers are like, man, that's like the best time America ever was. No, they like the 50s where women couldn't speak and only made jello salads. I like a good jello salad. So if you want us to shut the fuck up, you better start eating some hot dog puree and fucking liking it. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to give her my hot dog puree. What no. does that mean? No, it, nothing good. It's pure. What? No hot dog has ever been pure. It's a tubed meat. I'm very concerned about Mikey's desire to have anything that's pure. <laughs> Who am I going to give my purity ring to if I can't? <laughs> what? My purity ring. Mikey, I'm pretty sure you're not a virgin and have not been for a long time. I still have the ring. Do you really have a purity ring? Well, like, I don't want to give it to somebody unless I really mean it. Does, it doesn't mean I can't have sex. What? I don't think you understand how they work, Mikey. It's a symbol. No, you're supposed to wear it until you get an engagement ring. No, no, no. I'm still metaphorically a virgin. I no, know. that's not a thing. <laughs> I mean, virginity is a, a social construct, sure. But this is a nonsense conversation. When I'm, when I'm ready to get married, I'll give her an engagement ring and my purity necklace or whatever they give guys to give. They're called pearl necklaces, Mikey. What are you saying? I have no idea. This went off the rails so fast. I, I hear Makimoto is a great brand of pearl necklace if you're looking, if you're on the market. Oh, Maki I have a pair of Makimoto pearls. Yeah, they're beautiful. I, I heard Makimoto is a good brand. <laughs> what you're trying to say is Makimoto, the brand of pearl necklaces? <laughs> I'm not in a good mood for podcasting today. I apologize. I disagree. <laughs> it sounds like you're in a great mood to do this. Yeah, but it, it doesn't sound like you can put sentences together, though. So that's troubling. Have you had a stroke? <laughs> A stroke of genius. <laughs> <laughs> I made that same joke with my dad's doctor and he did not find it funny. <laughs> he was like, this is serious. You have to fly home immediately. <laughs> like, no, this is a stroke of death. Like, yeah. this is not. I guess I'm know. missing Comic-Con. All right. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, we had friends come from here to Comic-Con there 
and we had to leave and they just stayed at our apartment the whole the whole week oh i can't believe he was such an <laughs> asshole to die during comic-con how dear oh yeah the whole the whole funeral i was like oh, i'm missing whole age <laughs> i need to know what marvel's doing right now you could have brought him to comic-con and cosplayed as we in Bernie. okay now i'm back on board <laughs> do you think you would have I'm needed so an extra pass for him or if you, you do you think you could have passed it off as a large-scale cosplay that actually is a question I would love to know the answer to. Like, if right? I was doing Weekend at Bernie's with my dead father, Mikey, thank you uh-huh, so much for bringing uh-huh, my dead dad uh-huh, into this, uh-huh. would the organizers of Comic-Con be like, you know what? <laughs> I'll allow it. You know, dead people can't refuse resources. They can't refuse resources. <laughs> I would say he would need to buy a ticket because you would have to prop him in the chair between you and Paige to wave his hands wildly during the Comic-Con panels. Yeah, we're like, he loves Chris Hemsworth. Yay. (laughs) Oh, my God, The Witcher. Yes. (laughs) I think this completes every tragedy from Todd's life that I've made a joke about. Bingo card. Yeah, I definitely feel like we have touched on all of my traumas through the course of this podcast. Yes. Show us on this podcast where... Where the trauma hurt you. Yeah. Anyway, back to this horrible movie. Or I mean, (laughs) it was a good, it was a very, very good movie about horrible, tragic things. So we cut to Finn goes to school and uh, he's in science class with a rocket flashlight and he's looking at like this cute girl in class. Uh, And as soon as class is over, he like rushes to the bathroom and hides. Well, that's because in the hallway, he sees those three bullies, the guys who beat him up. So he, he, he goes and like, runs to the bathroom and like runs in the farthest stall away and climbs up on the toilet so they can't see his feet and then they follow him but they there. know yeah, they, they followed know. him anyway yeah they're bullies they know what their job is mikey was like ah the good old days Aha. when me and my two friends would corner the weakling in the bathroom yep i think i want to get me a pocket rocket or whatever you guys are talking about are you having some performance issues like why would you get a pocket <laughs> rocket mikey your butt feeling empty these days <laughs> no they're called butt plugs, Mikey. Wouldn't it be cool to like take a rocket out and, and like light it like a firework, like in the middle of class or whatever? Light it like a firework? Like a rocket. It's a rocket and you keep it in your pocket. I, I don't think you know what the phrase pocket rocket means. What's it mean? Uh, it's a vibrator. Well, he'll need that later, like in a couple of years for, that, for right. that lab partner. Yeah. Sure, 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 sure. That's a uh, alpha male move of just taking out your pocket rocket and showing your uh, lab mate when you team up with him. Like, hey, this is for you. Like, I'm going to go ahead and say if you have a pocket rocket, you shouldn't bring it to school and show yeah. your lab mate. That's a bad idea, yeah, Mikey. That's I, a bad idea. Unless they're consensually like consenting to a consensual sexual act, you probably shouldn't bring up your vibrators. I, I'm also <laughs> going to say uh, if you and a partner are using sex toys purchase them together don't reuse them with multiple partners unless you're cleaning them thoroughly but Paige, it's different for lab partners no it, it's not <laughs> it's absolutely not and don't just put them in the dishwasher they say dishwasher safe Paige. i know some of them do but you, like your plates are in there your plates are in there oh if you don't <laughs> yeah. have enough sex toys to fill up an entire dishwasher load you're not doing it right that's so many there would have to be so many why are you gatekeeping i'm not gatekeeping anything i'm saying you should have as many sex toys as can fit in your dishwasher at once so you can do a whole load of just sex yeah toys. it's like you, you know when you're washing clothes you do your lights you do your darks darks and then yeah. i do the same thing with my plates and sex toys this yeah. is a bonkers joke that's going nowhere that's how all my jokes go. I mean, that's not that's not ideal. <laughs> As a professional joke writer, Paige has notes. I can't just pull jokes out of my pocket like rockets and shoot them <laughs> off. <laughs> I disagree, Mikey. I think you're very good at it. 
Anyway, he's in the bathroom. They're going to beat him up. And who should walk in but Robin with still bloody knuckles from literally caving that kid's skull in earlier. I I fucking loved this so much because he walks in and he's like washing his hands, talking about how it was like, oh, my knuckles are still bleeding. It was bleeding all through first period. (laughs) That kid's teeth were sharp as fuck. Yeah, he clearly knows why those three kids came in there to beat up on our main character. So he's just like talking about how much his knuckles still hurt and are bleeding from destroying a child earlier that day. And they're like, okay, well, um, Maybe we won't beat him up now. Right. And he's basically like, if you fuck with him, I will fuck you up. And you just saw me fuck up somebody bigger than you. Yeah. And you know I can. Right. Yeah. And then they leave. And he and Finn have this really interesting conversation where they're clearly friends. Yeah. And Finn is like, why did you have to go so hard on that guy? And he's like, I had to make the point. Like, that kid was bullying people. I love how he explained the reason he got on top of him and just kept punching him in the face. He was like, when there's a crowd around, you want as much blood as possible to, like, make your point. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. This guy has done this before. I don't agree with his methods, but he does get results. Yeah, and I mean, like, that guy was bullying other people and was trying to bully him and just sort of got, some could say, what was coming to him, because... He bit off more than he could chew, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I don't, it's hard to, like, walk that line, because you don't want to, like, say, no, he should have had the shit kicked out of him, because they're children, but, like, he shouldn't be bullying kids in the first place, and I'm sorry he took it to a place where he got the shit kicked out of him, though. Right, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, he also then asks if Finn will come by his house later to go through their math homework, because their math teacher talks too fast. I mean, it seemed like they're friends because... He protects Finney, and Finney sort of tutors him on math, or maybe everything, but at least math. Right. So we cut to uh, Gwen, his younger sister. She's in math class. They pull her out of class and bring her to the office where there's two detectives. And they're like, hey, you said to Amy Yamada, who is Bruce's younger sister, that you had a dream about her brother and black balloons and a van. Yeah. And- We found black balloons at multiple crime scenes, but we hadn't told anyone about that. We didn't release it. So how did you know about it? Man, the scene with the sister, her name's Gwen, and the cops was hilarious because she was like, oh, you think I'm the grabber? You think I'm the one doing it? Like, she was just like. Like, he could beat both of you up. What the fuck? When she started cursing at them, I was like, this is hilarious. And the fact that they like were like so much believing her, they're like, no, tell us everything you know. Yeah. That was the least believable part of this movie that they're oh, like, are... clearly the psychic child knows. <laughs> no, the fact that they show up at the house at the end is yes, bonkers yes. because they would not have believed her. Oh, uh, the fact that they go into a private residence without yes. probable yeah. cause. Yeah. I mean, it is the 70s. <gasps> that is true. That's true. But I did love that she referred to them as fart knockers because I hadn't <laughs> heard that cut down in a long time and it made me laugh. Yeah, it had been probably like since elementary school or maybe junior high that I heard fart knocker. And I was like, man, we used to be calling people fart knocker back in the day. Like, (laughs) Um, but they ask her, what aren't you telling us? And they're, they're trying to get her to admit that either she was near one of the crime scenes or maybe she saw something or maybe she knows someone. And what she says is just sometimes my dreams are right. Yeah. So which is it's kind of like The Shining. It's it's just a little bit of a tiny supernatural element to the movie, but it's not intrusive and it's not overly complicated, which I like. Just like a good relationship. I think you sort of backed into being right on that, Mikey. Yeah, that's the only time I'm right. That checks out. I just figured it out that like probably a psychic message from a child was enough probable cause to breach a house back in the 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like 90% of no knock warrants in the 70s were just children with dreams. <laughs> 
Oh, uh, you may have okay, Paige. You may have seen a little movie about that called Minority Report, <laughs> and she was like mostly right. Except that she one was, time. but that just makes me think of your your sketch idea for Minority Report misdemeanor. Misdemeanor crimes. <laughs> yeah. still one of the funniest ideas I've heard in a long time. So this is the first time after school that we see her and Finn split up because it's a Friday and she's staying at Susie's and he'll look after Dad. And we see that he gets home and his dad is already passed out in the recliner. And so he eats some ice cream and watches a bunch of horror movies on TV. Yeah. So we cut to the next morning and he wakes up to the sound of his sister being really badly beaten in the kitchen. Yeah. It's not good. It is it is a hard to watch. Yeah, it's it's called abuse. Like, it's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, back then, it was just called parenting. No, it yeah. was like that is true, but it still was abuse. Oh, I would like to the point where I'm like, if you have not seen this movie yet, trigger warning if you experienced abuse as a child, because like, yikes. Yeah. And the way he yells at her to like, your dreams aren't real. Like he is. And they yeah. tried to clear it up with like a tragic backstory of his wife's dreams weren't real. And she ended up dying of suicide because of the dreams haunting her or whatever. Well, I, I think uh, here's my headcanon. I think it's possible that maybe her her mother was mentally ill and maybe that was kind of how she was voicing that. I don't know that Gwen has the same thing or maybe they do and just no one believing her about the dreams led her to complete suicide and that could be it too. I don't think it absolves him. I think he's still a scary, not great figure through most of the movie that they feel like they can't trust. And because there's not that trust or supervision in the home, a lot of this falls to Gwen and Finn to kind of parent themselves. Yeah, because their dad's drunk all the time. Like their dad mm-hmm. is someone they more have to take care of than get taken care of by. Yeah, exactly. And he's also abusive. So he's that's shitty. Like Super abusive. And yeah. she grabs a bottle of vodka and breaks it. And he threatens to beat her twice as hard. When he was like, that was an $8 bottle of vodka. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's clear what he values. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, especially if here's the thing. If you have a real bad drinking problem, it gets expensive because alcohol is expensive. And so especially if you're a single parent providing for your family. Yeah. Maybe eight bucks uh, is, you know, a bit of a dent. Yeah. I mean, $8 and 79 is $32 today. Whoa, it's like top shelf, bro. I bought $8 tequila from a Mr. Pepe Lopez tequila from my college days. Yeah, 32. Well, 32 is like mid shelf. Well, that's too high if you're going to do it a lot. You need to go lower. I mean, yeah, if you're doing it a lot, you need that plastic bottle of pop off. Like you, if your vodka bottles are plastic, that's when you know. <laughs> like, and honestly, if this $8 bottle of vodka had been plastic, it wouldn't have ended up all over the floor. Yeah, that's that's why they're plastic. I mean, A, they're plastic to save money because glass costs more. But B, when you are stumbling down the street and you drop it, plastic is a bit of a bonus. Yeah. Anyway, one of the things he yells at her during this is the idea that they're just dreams. But also we find out that the detectives that talked to her at school went to talk to him at work. Yeah. And I'm sure that conversation with him at his office went very differently. Oh, I'm sure too. With her. I'm sure they thought he was the guy. Exactly. Because they're not going to believe that she's having these dreams. Right. Like she has seen something and it's coming out sideways because she can't talk about it really. Right. Because she would be in a dangerous situation if like the serial killer was her dad. She's in an immense amount of danger. So like. Right. 
they would definitely look at her dad. Yeah, and honestly, course. should because he probably has a record of abuse. Yeah, well, and, and here's the thing: we don't know if there's any record because it is the '70s, that is and true. so God only knows who is reporting what, or if they are reporting, they're just like, yeah, just like everyone else on the block, like keep it pushing. <laughs> yeah, horrible time in America. <laughs> but like Finn's ready to kill his dad by the end. Like I don't think he's gonna take shit from his dad anymore. Like I think he's ready to like. Oh, I think he'll fight up. back. Yeah. I mean, he still, un- unless he constructs booby traps around their house, he still can consider- considerably smaller. Yeah. So that's going to be a tough fight. But as far as kill counts go, he probably has more than his dad. Although his dad may have served yeah. in Vietnam, so I don't know. But like, I mean, I would hope that at the end of this movie, potentially losing one of his children was enough of a wake up call to ideally drive him towards sobriety, potentially sobriety yeah. and no longer abusing his children. I would hope. And at the end, when he's like hugging him and stuff, you sort of feel like that's the way it's going to go, although we don't see anything after that. So who knows? Yeah, because he is apologizing and Mm -hmm. and he's clearly not drunk in that scene. He is, you know, or at least he does not appear drunk in that scene. We better watch out because he could just take out that pocket rocket and shoot him with it. He doesn't shoot anybody with the pocket rocket, Mikey. He stabs some people with it. He stabs somebody with it. He can't really shoot it. Yeah. Well, it's not a real rocket then. No, Mikey. It is not a real rocket. It's essentially <laughs> a sharp flashlight. Yeah. And it's not really even that sharp. He had to put some oomph behind it. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> while this is happening, we cut to Robin walking through an alleyway. It looks like, have you ever driven behind a grocery store? Yeah. It looks like the back of a grocery store. It does. Yeah. And the black van is there. We cut to, and this shot was really cool. We watch as phones ring all through the town and there's kind of a cool drone shot of like all the police and then the town fanning out into a search party. And I'm just like, if this was your fifth search party of the year, like, why would you let your kids out of your sight? And like, bolt the doors. Like, holy shit. School would be canceled. (laughs) Like, what is happening? I guess the problem is back in the 70s, they were true parties. And so, like, any excuse to drink back then, you know, like, they just brought the party to these search parties. (laughs) So they were just out there drinking, like, PBRs, walking around their streets. Like, yeah, we're looking for kids or whatever. Hand me another one. Yeah, Todd. I haven't seen you in like three weeks. This has been the best party to catch up with you. I hope someone goes missing next week so we can do this again. I brought the grill. Yeah. (laughs) Someone's like literally like pushing a grill down the street while they're like flipping burgers on it and shit. Jimmy, you seen Jimmy? Hot dogs, hamburgers? If he smells them, he'll come over here. That's how it works. These are his favorites. Robin did love a burger. Now, I did think it was interesting. Some of the names in this are are really interesting. Um, For example, uh, one of the most notable theorized accomplices of John Wayne Gacy is a man named Robin Gecht. So I thought it was really interesting that one of the ghosts was named Robin as well. Yeah. There's a lot of like kind of similar names in, in the boys that have gone missing. Perhaps subtle nods to like true crime cases and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And perhaps also I, I did think it was notable that it was all boys and all teenage boys, which is very much John Wayne Gacy. Yes, it is. Yeah. So we cut to... Finn's house where his dad gets the call and just says, do you know a Robin Ariano? And he says, he's a friend from school. Why? And we see the search party go out and clearly they don't find him. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they got drunk. They're party too hard. Not searching enough. Too much party, not enough search. 
Well, they're also like searching the woods and he's not in the woods, not the basement. Yeah, he's not. They're never going to find him. He's not out there. Yeah. But we cut to he asks his sister Gwen if she can do the dream thing. And she says it doesn't work that way. Basically, like I can't just like call it up. It just happens when it happens. And he pulls a like, well, what if it does work that way? Can you just like try? Can you try, please? I sort of love that. I actually really did like her version of like, how do I make this happen? Like, how do I try to connect with that kind of, I guess, stream of consciousness? Yeah. And she's got like a Barbie dream house that she opens with like a Bible and a cross and a couple like beads. <laughs> there's like a tarot card there too. Yeah. There's a tarot card and there's a candy necklace with a cross on it. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. But she basically is is praying like my brother yeah. needs his friend. Like this is, you know, please let me find him. Please let me know just something in a dream, something I can give the police. So she goes to bed and as she's going to bed, we see her dad's shadow darken the door which made me real nervous for how this was gonna go he just said i know you were playing lights are off go to bed i love you and then he walks away but she's clearly terrified of him yeah well he just beat the shit out of her that morning so yeah i could definitely understand why she'd be terrified of him i do love that when she finishes praying she runs to bed because she hears her dad but she doesn't say like Amen or whatever so she like runs back Really quick and then says it like thank you Jesus or whatever and runs back in bed yeah Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why that was so funny to me So we cut to the next day The detectives have shown up at her house And they're like we'd we'd like to talk to her And her dad is like what's she do now And they're like nothing we just want to speak To her yeah they were essentially like She's not in trouble you're not in trouble but like We're terrible at our jobs So we're just like (laughs) interviewing all the Child psychics if that's cool Yeah look we went to the black balloon Factory and they weren't there (laughs) They just kept stacking crates Listen the goo goo dolls didn't Give us (laughs) any good leads We've gone to every 40-year-old birthday party and retirement party <laughs> and div- <laughs> nothing. I can see them busting up nursing homes like, where are they? <laughs> There's goth baby showers. <laughs> this is supposed to be a gender reveal, but all of them are black. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, are you having a Dr. Frankenfurter? <laughs> oh, I wish. Me too, man. You know, nine months is too long. I can't, I can't, I can't handle, handle the, the antis- antis- up. So this is also where I noticed in the movie, this movie has a really strong color theory to it, which is really interesting where Gwen's color is yellow and Finn's color is blue. And Robin, for the brief points that he was in the movie, his color was orange. And then uh, for the killer, it's reds and blacks, um, with the exception of that one blue sweater. But I think that blue sweater is kind of a way to signify that he is going to have to fight Finn one on one. But anyway, if you're if you're a color nerd in movies like me, it was very interesting to kind of look at where they use that strategically. Yeah. So we cut to it, we assume that she told the police something. Uh, we cut to them walking to school the next day. And because Robin is gone, those bullies try to beat the shit out of Finn. And Gwen just jumps in the fray. Dude is just like. I don't care if I'm the younger sister. I don't care if I'm small. You can't beat my brother up. Somebody's got to do something. Yeah. And that's a bloody fight. Yes, it is. Dude, when she, when Gwen picks up that rock and just... She gets that kid. Hits that dude right in like the, the side of his face. I thought he was dead. Yeah. Dude, he bled so much, Mikey. Like Head wounds bleed, bleed a lot. The city of Denver press conference was like, look, we're trying to find these eight missing kids, but we've had a hard time because 19 were murdered in Denver City Public Schools last week. <laughs> 
alone. <laughs> I did love that when the kid starts bleeding, he just gets up and goes and like sits by the fence. He's like, listen, I'm bleeding all over my shirt. I have to go sit out now. This fight is over for me. Yeah, like PE. Like they're just like, yeah. I'll be on the bench for this. Yeah. One. Well, and then <laughs> as she really gets funny. like she gets kicked in the face and she's bleeding, she yeah. goes and sits next to him. It's like they're playing dodgeball and they both have been hit. Yeah. And so they have to go sit in until someone catches the rock. Which also, by the way, uh, the guy, the the kid that kicked her in the face, the police should watch him, I think. Yes. Although I do think, to Mikey's point, there are just so many kids at this one specific school that are like, they go from zero to knife fight way faster than I think regular kids would do. Yeah. So I think all of them need to be watched on some level. I'm just I, saying if you're a teenage boy kicking a younger girl in the face, mm-mm. he did. She did just murder his friend. His friend is fine. He's got a headache and a head wound, but like he'll be fine. Oh, his head was gushing. I was like, have you ever injured? Have you ever cut your head? They bleed like crazy. Even if you're fine. Not the top one. What have you done to your dick? You've never cut your dick once accidentally? No. <laughs> like you were like, you never cut your dick one time accidentally not in college? One time I like, you know, I keep, I used to, like when I was going out and I, you know, in my younger days, I would keep it trimmy, trimmy, trimmed up down there. Yeah. You still should, Mikey. I still yeah. do every now and then. I, you know, the garden, I trim the garden when like there's going to be a party or whatever. Yeah. Like you cut the grass when there's going to be a game. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I, I nicked myself and I had to go to Chris and Madeline's house. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait. Were you doing this with just like a flat straight razor? Like I No, it was electric. It, it, my brother got me a better manscaper later okay. on cuz I told the story. Anyway, I was like we were like all going out drinking or whatever and then they're like what's wrong you look look really upset and I was like I was like I, I cut my dick earlier. <laughs> Why your dick? Like, what happened? I was like trimming and it like nicked a little bit, you know, like, and it, and it bled a little bit, but it like, it was like, <laughs> I feel like you just admitted to us that your dick is a mangled mess, and I'm glad you let the listeners know so they can adjust their thirst accordingly. <laughs> and your dick is hairy at the base, at the base. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was all shafty. Watch your mouth. I'm only talking about Shafty. (laughs) (laughs) Shafty was the animated cartoon after that. But also was an animated dick. But everything else was the same. He was a cop in Detroit. Like, but he was just like a dick who walked on two balls. I would watch a sentient dick that was a cop in the tr- in Detroit. All cops in Detroit are sensitive dicks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we cut to school where Finn, uh, it's dissection, frog dissection day. So Finn has to pick a lab partner. He ends up partnered with Donna. Donna makes the move because he like, everyone like gets up and scatters like around the room mm-hmm. to find like their friend to partner with them because they're going to be their partner like the rest of the year was sort of the implication. Right. And he's like, I don't have anybody. And then Donna comes over and rescues him, which is like best case scenario for him because he's super into her. At least he has a crush on her. It's been indicated throughout the beginning of the movie. Right. So that would be like his best day ever. I did love how it immediately smash cuts from like Donna coming over and saying, do you have a partner? And he's like, you know, that would be great if you want to be my partner or whatever. Just like the awkward little (laughs) schoolboy in him. And then it cuts to his sister giving him shit on the way home. I fucking love that. I loved it so much. I was like, oh man, this whoever wrote this has siblings. At the end, he just sits down. He's like, remember when I was kidnapped and I murdered him? Like, go out? So we cut to their walk home. And again, it's Friday. So she's going to go to Susie's. He's going to go home alone. And this is how we know the van was casing them. Because the van is just along blocking his walk home. Yeah. But it's after the point at which she turns off to go to Susie's. Yeah. 
And so it it appears that a guy is loading groceries into the van and drops them. He stops to help pick them up. And as he looks into the back of the van, he sees black balloons and he asks, are those black balloons? Because he remembers what Gwen told him about her dreams. And before he can do anything, he gets grabbed. He sprays him in the mouth with something. I, I would assume some sort of chloroform. Yeah, I assumed it was chloroform adjacent. Yeah, they never talk about it, but it has to be something like that because it knocks him out. Yeah, yeah. more like boroform. Anyway, yeah, he gets knocked out. And then the guy <laughs> uses the black balloons to hide as he's kind of like pushing kids into the van. Yeah, it's like the opposite of the movie Up. It's like down. Yes, into the basement. <laughs> yeah. As he's grabbing him, he uses that rocket flashlight to just gouge out a section of that guy's arm. The pocket rocket. Yeah, he uses his pocket rocket and like just drives it deep into that dude's flesh. This isn't the Hellraiser episode, okay? Like, <laughs> Oh my God. If any more people DM me that trailer, I'm going to lose my mind we've got to do hellraiser 2 before we do a new remake i mean there is a listener request this month so but this movie isn't gonna it's not gonna be out this month it comes out next month yeah oh it's like a one week off (laughs) yeah anyway so he gets him into the back of the van we cut to he wakes up in the basement and this is where ethan hawk is like you cut the shit out of my arm i should snap your neck for what you did And we kind of get the baseline of like, okay, you're in this basement. Nothing bad's going to happen here, although that's definitely not true. Right. And he's kind of playing with his hair, which is real creepy. Yeah. And the phone rings, but it's upstairs. This is the the first time. This isn't the phone in the basement. Yeah, it's not, quote unquote, the black phone. It's the upstairs phone. Yeah. Right. So he goes upstairs to answer it, leaving the door locked. Uh, And so at this point, Finn kind of explores the room a little bit. And this is where we find the black phone that is not connected to the wall. Like it is not plugged in. Yeah. I mean, and he even says, I think in the scene, he being Ethan Hawke says that phone hasn't worked since I was a child. Yeah. Which to me made me think. It was a token that he brought with him from his parents' house. I think that is his parents' house. And he bought the house across the street. Could be. And that's where he buries the bodies? Yes. Yeah, could be. I got the thought that he was abused as a child and that phone had something to do with it on yeah, some level. Of but course. we never get that. Head cannon. Yeah. His mom cheated on his dad with the magician who lived across the street. His dad <laughs> left. The magician across the street abused him, turned him into a monster magician child murderer. But he also inherited both houses when they died. I'm not going to address any of that, but (laughs) (laughs) that is the right way to handle that. Thank you. When he because he does end up talking to people through the phone. And one of the things they say on the phone is that you've been the first one to be able to hear it, but he can hear it. That was what made me think it had something to do with Ethan Hawke's childhood trauma. So he either brought it with him from his parents' house or that is his parents' house or whatever. We never get that answered. And I'm fine with that. Like, I don't need that answered. But like, that is what made it clear to me that he is just sort of maybe escalating but in some way replaying the abuse he experienced as a child yeah and and to be honest we it is i would say a credit to this movie that it is still scary and we still get the point that we don't actually see what he does to a lot of those kids because we don't need to in the story like they've set it up in such a way that we have all the pieces we need for the story and our mind can fill in the rest. And that is freakier than any gore they could have shown us, I would say. Yeah, I honestly enjoyed the fact that we didn't see the kids 
get killed. We see the yeah. aftermath when they show up when they're on the phone with him. But right. we don't actually see their murders take place, which is, right. as someone who's like still scared of scary movies, like that would have bothered me. So I'm glad we didn't get that. And it made this movie more watchable for me. But also, like, I don't think you need it. You get enough gore when you see them. Yeah. And you can sort of guess as to what happened to them based upon their injuries. Yeah. And I honestly, I love the shots and the camera work and me the too, blocking man. of how they bring those kids in. Yeah. So he lies back down on the mattress and we cut to Gwen is at her friend's house and she gets a phone call from her dad saying that Finn has not come home. Yeah. And we get kind of a repeat of that search party that we saw with Robin. Woo! <laughs> search party! <laughs> Bring the grill! <laughs> when she runs out of the house... And then it cuts to that shot where they're doing the the zoom or whatever. And she's like, yeah. she's clearly running in place or on a treadmill. But like, that's such a cool shot because it shows everything around her moving except for her. Like, no matter what she does, she can't yeah. change the situation. And I thought that that was such a cool way to show that through the lens. Well, yeah, she thought he was finished. Oh, no. man. Yeah, I mean, she probably did because none of those kids have ever come back. Right. All of those kids died. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and if anyone has the information and potentially a leg up in this case, it's her. But what do you do when even though you have more information than everyone and it affects the person next to you? Like she is it is a special kind of helplessness to feel like you could save one and save somebody and you didn't. Yeah. So she runs home. She does her little dream house ritual and the phone rings. It cuts to the basement and it's ringing where Finney is. Now, what I think is interesting, and they kind of touch on this later in the movie, we don't ever get a definitive answer, but I think her dreams are somehow tapping into what he's hearing in that phone. Anyway, so the phone rings and this is where Ethan Hawke tells him it doesn't work not since I was a kid. I think it's something with static electricity that makes it ring sometimes. But this is also where he tells him, like, I know you're scared and you want to go home and, and I'll let you go home. But like, not right now. Everything's kind of fucked up. I yeah, I got to go handle something upstairs. And this is where Finn is like, so is there someone upstairs who might see you coming to see me like is that why you can't come down here yeah at first he thought it was the police were going to show up and it, clearly right. they're not but like he was like hey if you just let me go now i won't tell the police where you're you are or any of that stuff like i'll just i'll be quiet yeah and then he does ask him about bruce and robin and he says oh that wasn't me that was someone else and he says i won't make you do anything that you won't like which is a real gross line yeah yeah i'm glad this is the only scene that had the that element of the like the the touching of the hair and those creepy comments yeah. i was like oh god this movie's gonna be very very dark yeah it doesn't go to yeah. a sexual sexual place like this first scene sort of sets it up like that's definitely going to be a part of it and maybe it was after he kills them but it definitely wasn't the rest of the movie which i was grateful for so i think and, and it doesn't explicitly tell us, but we never see the game that the boys play. Yes, we do. Because Finn doesn't play. Well, we see the game. He just refuses to engage in it. Right. The boys call him and tell him not to play. The game is like, right. I'm going to leave the door unlocked and wait upstairs with the belt. And if he comes upstairs and it's a naughty boy, I'm going to beat the shit out of him with this belt. Like that is the game. That is the game. But there's an extra portion after and we don't know what the portion officially is. That makes sense, Paige. Yeah. Yeah. My headcanon was that Ethan Hawke's character, the villain, the grabber, is a sexual sadist. 
and beating them is the sexual part for him and then he probably would continue to assault and then murder them yeah that's how i pictured it going but i was glad that we didn't see that because we didn't need to my brain filled that in basically same mine too and i was just like thank god this is not happening to finn yeah so we uh finn basically says i'm gonna yell so people can hear me he's like no one can hear you outside this room and he goes upstairs and we cut to outside and we're looking through the little window with that grate and sure enough you cannot hear finn yelling yeah so um i do like that at this point he kind of tries to survey his surroundings and see kind of what he can do and as he's going around he's like ah robin would have tried that and if if that didn't work with robin i can't do it and i think it's interesting that later in the movie instead of saying i can't do something i'm not capable it's if they could do it i could do it and it's him kind of gaining faith in himself as he goes yeah so the phone rings again he answers it and there's some clicking but no voice yeah so he goes back to sleep on the mattress man i would not be able to sleep like no. at all although yeah maybe you're just getting eventually so exhausted you, fall. you just yeah, yeah I, I eventually mean, you'd fall asleep ugh, i don't sleep enough as it is but like fuck that'd be so well, hard yeah because those damn dead kids keep calling at all hours of the night <laughs> to keep you up well yeah they're dead they don't keep regular hours yeah they can refuse resources <laughs> they just call you and they're like oh, i need to talk to you about your car's warranty well, what's your name <laughs> i don't remember i don't remember my name <laughs> this sounds like a scam so uh he hears footsteps and wakes up uh because ethan hawk has now brought him food and uh he basically or no he hasn't brought him food he asks him for food and he says why did you come down here and he says just to look at you i'll go which is like oof creepy creepy it is very creepy yeah yes so the phone rings again finn answers it and this time a voice says finny over the phone yeah and we get this real cool pullback shot, like a wide shot in a small room, which is very tough to do, but looks very cool, of that crack in the wall emanating out from the phone. Yeah. Which is very cool. Um, but he picks up the phone again, and the voice on the other end says, don't hang up. And he says, I won't. And this is where they say, I don't remember my name. It's the first thing you lose. Which kind of becomes significant because Finn knows all their names. Yeah. And then Ethan Hawke reveals that he doesn't know their names and doesn't care and learns basically after they die, after they disappear. That's when he learns their names. Yeah. And so the naming of the victims is significant. And so in some ways, giving them back their names by telling them, Finn gives them agency in his revenge, if that makes sense. I mean, they take an active part in him eventually getting out because they tell him every step of the way what to do to survive. And he uses every single one of them to do it. Yeah, and it's interesting, like all the things they have him do, he does, it doesn't work, and he's still trapped. And then at the end... He sort of calls an audible with all the stuff he's done and uses that to kill Ethan Hawke, which I thought was cool. I was like, he was able to use the information he got from these dead kids through the phone, not in the way they initially intended, but to get revenge for all the kids on the phone, which I fucking loved, you know? Yeah, it didn't work in the way that they initially intended, but he had all the pieces for the puzzle and puts it together at the end. It becomes like a um, search party line. What? So do me a favor and explain that joke to me. Yeah. So a party line is something that existed back in the day with hard lines where you would like get on the phone. There'd be multiple people on the phone to like talk to a lot. And those kids are all missing and their search parties listen for them. So it's like a pun from like the early 80s. How I mean, the party you? line was a bunch of people on the phone at the same time. Yeah, I do think it would not have worked as well 
if the kids on the phone were like, you got to fucking murder Ethan Hawke. Like, I mean, they were they at the do. end. They were at the I end. Mean, yes, they were at the end. But like throughout the movie, they really are just trying to help him escape. Like they're like, hey, yes, what's going to happen to you if it happens is going to be terrible. Do this and try and get out. And then it's only at the end when it's like, well, you can't get out. We've tried to do everything we can think of to get you out. So your only chance is to kill him. So try that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. There I thought that was nice. Yeah. They were just trying to save his life at the beginning. And then by the end, when they realized that all they could do was kill him, they were like, all right, well, kill him. Yeah. So on the phone, he very quickly realizes that this is Bruce that he's talking to because he keeps repeating that phrase, your arm is mint. You almost had me. And all of the voices on the phone repeat phrases that that person said to Finn. Now, I do think that you could read this film if you wanted to as the phone is not ringing at all, but rather this is all in Finn's head, and these are just the pieces of these people that he remembers, and this is his subconscious. Are you telling me that these calls are Finny? You mean like phony? <laughs> I should have gone with phony because it's all from a phone. What is with my puns today? I'm like, I don't know, oh. man. Back in 1978, there was a popular pop culture experience called a party line. Let me explain it to you. There you <laughs> go. Um, but I th- now the one place where that kind of breaks down is him finding the things that they tell him about which could just be him discovering it and his trauma is representing itself in communicating with all the people who have had the same treatment before yeah but i also kind of like the idea of just a supernatural phone i'm here for both oh yeah and Paige, i am always one to err on the side of it's all taking place in his head because the kids aren't calling the phone that's not plugged into the wall the kids are dead right. they can't do that but also they might be and i don't give a fuck like the, the story is the same either way and i'm here for it like, I don't care. Yeah. Okay. I have a serious question about if you could talk to ghosts on the phone. Okay. I'm sorry. What? You have a serious question as to whether you can <laughs> convene with the dead over <laughs> no, the phone. No, no this could, is, hey, hey, this is could. the first oh. thing Mikey has said all episode that I'm interested in. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> if you could talk to a ghost on the phone. Yes, uh-huh. I would talk to my brother and dad often. Who would you have phone sex with? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Really? Fuck. Okay. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with Marilyn Monroe. I know that's like a little cliche. <sighs> oh, damn. It has to be a dead person? It's, they're a ghost. They're dead. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go with Cleopatra. Ooh. She doesn't know how to use a phone. It's too ba- It's too early. She's a ghost. <laughs> okay, talk. <laughs> Only since Alexander Graham Bell. What are we doing here? Okay, okay, but think about this, Todd. She's never had phone sex. Do you want to have phone sex with that person who's never had phone sex before? And definitely not in English. Yes. This woman had sex and a child with Caesar and then moved over to his best friend once Caesar was dead. Like, this woman knows how to fuck. She does. But she probably doesn't know how to play that up for a phone type environment. I bet she could figure it out. Paige? You know I love big shoulders, so I think I have to go with Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Oh. (laughs) The Stay Puft Marshmallow Man has never been alive, thus cannot be a ghost, Paige. This is ridiculous. Um, I've seen Ghostbusters, and if that documentary is to be believed, then clearly Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is a choice. Second choice, Slimer. (laughs) Slimer? Yeah, Mikey, Slimer will eat anything. Real talk though, Paul Paul Bunyan is probably not a bad choice, maybe. Um, I told you, yeah. I have a really inappropriate joke that you can cut out if you're ready. I'm not going to have time to edit this episode, but please tell the joke. My second choice is your dad and brother. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you're their type. I think Mikey just wants a solid father figure. (laughs) We'll call George Michaels, man. My dad's busy. I will be your father figure. Put your turning hand in mine. That song is kind of creepy. 
Yeah, but also it kind of slaps. So catchy. Yeah. Anyway, so. Ooh, Betty Boop. Was she real? No. No. <laughs> but Betty White was. Yeah. Yo, I'm changing my answer to Betty White. Betty White was amazing. She was okay. hilarious. And back in yeah. the day, she was gorgeous. Look at pictures of young Betty White. Like, I'm talking like World War II era Betty oh, White. Oh, Ooh. should I have picked young Stalin? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. You yes. 100% could pick Young Stalin. Terrible. Yo, he's going to own 100% of that ass. The only <laughs> no. problem with Young Stalin is, is the ghost of his secret police listens into the phone call. <laughs> but what if we, like, maybe it's just because, like, he likes it? Like, there's a little bit of, like, yeah, voyeurism yeah. If they, aspect. If they join it. in, it's a party line. <laughs> there you go. Bring it back around. Yeah. And. That's the only good joke I'll make today. Good night, everybody. All right. So now that we've all answered the question of if we could have ghost phone sex with anyone alive or dead, who would we Not pick? Alive. It was only dead. Only you dead. can't be a, a, a live ghost unless we're talking about Ghostface Killer or Ghost the Band. Mm-hmm. I was talking about them and I did not pick them because I don't want to have sex with either of them. <laughs> I, well, then, I, you know, I guess you missed out on talking to Papa Emeritus. <laughs> Or whatever his name is right now. I wouldn't say I missed it. <laughs> I just didn't do it. I just didn't do it. <laughs> what if you took one for the team and like tried to figure out a conspiracy or something? So like I pick Oswald, but I have to have phone sex with him, but I have to figure out if he really shot Kennedy. You're like, oh, yeah, Ooh. now I'm unbuckling your pants. So like, yeah. did you really shoot him? Or like, what's oh. the deal? <laughs> we're we're up in the book, book repository. repository? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, touch me on my grassy knoll. I yeah. really do love that, like, in order to have phone sex with Oswald, like, you have to replay the event with him. Like, he has to <laughs> role play the assassination event. Like, that to me is hilarious. Think of all of the like conspiracy theories you could solve that way, because you could just be like, so, George Washington, were you really in the Illuminati? <laughs> oh, let me make out with them wooden teeth while we yeah, talk. Shatter them teeth, boy. I'm going to make it happen. Ooh, let me see your cherry tree. Like, Neil Armstrong, did you actually go to the moon? Or was this just a soundstage and you got to meet? You got to meet Kubrick. Is he still alive, though? <laughs> Neil Armstrong? No, he died in 2012. You're good to go. Woo! Fuck him. Fuck him on the phone, Paige. <laughs> So you've been on the moon. What's that like? <laughs> Young Neil Armstrong was sort of a hottie, though, Paige. Oh, he was. But he wasn't as like thick as like a Paul Bunyan kind of guy. You know, like. Yeah, but he got a big old like square blocky head, though. And you know oh, I like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Where do you want to put that lunar module? Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dock it up, baby. Ugh. He's only into butt stuff, though, because of the moon. <laughs> In the 60s, it just, he doesn't go to the dark side of the moon. So everyone in the Facebook group and on social media, I want to know who you would have sex with on your ghost sex phone line. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> 999, we're dead. <laughs> 999, ghost sex. It's just G-O-S-T. <laughs> 999, sextoplasm. <laughs> I like how like the phone numbers are getting more difficult to spell. Like, fuck, how do you spell sextoplasm? Does she spell it with a C or with Son an X? I don't know. Both of them. We own them both. <laughs> oh, my God. We missed the most obvious one. 999, boo. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a bunch of zeros with boo with B on either side. And it's eight zero zero eight five. Yeah, I love it. It's a billion dollar industry. What if we came up with an AI algorithm that could talk in different historical dead people's voices to have phone sex with you? I am glad someone is finally coming up with a good idea for deep fake technology. <laughs> 
Like, thank God. Like, I don't want to see a younger Tom Cruise, like, in a Maverick-type Top Gun movie. I want to, like, be able to have sex with Buster Keaton's ghost, and that is it. But he was in silent film, so that was really easy. Oh, no. He doesn't like to talk a lot, if you know what I'm saying, but he's real big on action. You know what I mean? Yeah, his mouth's full, Paige. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> if you think I'm not fucking Fatty Arbuckle to see if he really killed that chick in that hotel, you're crazy. <laughs> you find out for real. Oh, yeah. Who's the person who threw the girl off the boat? Oh, Christopher uh, Walken's not still, dead. Unfortunately, he's still alive. <laughs> we could talk to the, we could Wagner, the girl. He's still alive. Yeah, we could talk to Natalie Wood, though, and Natalie Wood was a hottie. Anyway, so Bruce on the phone tells him where to pull up the linoleum in the hallway so he can dig a hole. And he's having to do it by hand, so it's taking a long time. Um, but he basically makes a little bit of progress on it each day and then covers it up with the carpet. Yeah. And we cut to like family videos of Bruce, almost like memories and flashbacks of Bruce. And then we cut to Finn banging on a door trying to get out. And we reveal that it's Gwen's dream. And so she actually goes out looking for that door, but can't find it. Yeah. So um, we cut to that hallway where Finn tries to make the hole deeper and he's flushing dirt down the toilet, which I well, I guess because the room is soundproof. You can't hear the toilet constantly flushing. Right. Yeah. And I thought it was a genius idea because he is like digging up a shitload of dirt. Like that hole gets pretty deep, which is wild that he's doing all that with his hands. But yeah, yeah, that's a great way to get rid of the dirt. It is. So we cut to the next day at school. There's a presentation about everyone missing. And it's kind of sad because we have to watch as Gwen basically hears them talk about her brother missing. So we cut to the basement where Finn waits for the phone to ring. And before he does... Ethan Hawke comes down with breakfast and this is where he basically, you know, he's like, what'd you put in those eggs? And he's like, just salt and pepper. I don't need to drug you. You're already down here. Which is something very similar to what Mikey says to the women if they're still at his house when he wakes up in the morning. Right. No, I'd be like, your Uber's outside. (laughs) Get out into the Uber. These are my eggs. I made them for me. I made an omelet. For myself, your Uber is outside. Thank you. <laughs> so as he leaves, he leaves the door not quite latched. Yes. So he leaves the door unlatched. And just as Finn is thinking about going up through it, the phone rings. He picks it up and a voice says, don't go upstairs. Why not? It's a trap. Yeah. And he's like, are you Bruce? Who's Bruce? I was just talking to him. Well, I don't know Bruce and we don't play baseball here. It is a different voice. It clearly is not yeah. Bruce. Yeah. 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 We find out that this is the paper boy, yeah. which is literally like beat for beat the Johnny Gosh story, including the fact that he had the dog with him. Yeah. Um, and we see that the van takes him and he runs off. But he basically says he's upstairs. He's waiting with the belt and he'll punish you till you pass out. And it hurts really bad. And then things get worse from there. Yeah. We all did it. So don't go upstairs. So he hangs up the phone. He goes and kind of peeks out the door and sees at the top of the stairs, Ethan Hawke is just waiting there with a belt. Yep. And so he just goes back downstairs and eats the eggs. And it's a creepy shot. It is, man. Sitting on that thing with the belt. So we cut to school where Gwen has fallen asleep in class. So they send her to the nurse's office to get a nap because I'm sure all the teachers are like, her brother's missing. Like, yeah, they're not monsters. Like, I feel like if that was just like a regular kid, they would have gotten in trouble. But like, because her brother's missing, possibly dead, they're like going to give her a pass. They're like, we keep letting these kids murder each other. Maybe like, maybe this is our fault. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I do love how Mikey is just trying to find a way to blame 
teachers for America's problems. I mean, they they get paid the least and have the most responsibility, and now people are trying to arm them instead of, you know, passing sensible gun legislation? Sure, yeah, fine, whatever. I mean, if they were dealing with the kids in this school, I would say arm them. I, I, you know, but this was a different <laughs> place and a different time. It was, yeah. Yeah, in this school, they need, like, a crossbow and a Gatling gun and some sort <laughs> yeah. of cloaking device. Not since Battle Royale have I seen violent high school, like, school children like this. <sighs> Anyway, so we find out on the phone that it's Billy Showalter. He's the paper boy. Not enough. So the paper boy reveals that he hid a set of cord, like a cable, under one of the walls. And what's really cool is the bottle, the empty bottle of 7-Up spins to show him where it is and then angles up and points to the window. Basically being like, you can get up there to unlatch the window. Yeah. If you have this cord and we cut to Gwen during her nap, she dreams of Paperboy's memories. And then we see her kind of see Finn get kidnapped with like the balloons and the tree. And she gets up to try and find that tree. Meanwhile, in the basement, he finds the cord and he tries to use it to do the to get up to the window. And we do find out that he has to use one of the rolls of carpet to kind of feed the cord up and he makes a loop for his foot and gets up there and tries to open the latch through the grate and the whole grate comes off. Yeah. Which, if he had been able to find another option to get up through that window, he could have gotten out that way. It was just too high and there was nothing to grab onto. Yeah, I really like that the way he used the carpet to like move the cable up to the window. I thought that was really smart because mm-hmm. at first I thought I was going to like try and climb it, which I guess yeah. might have also worked, but this works way better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we cut to Gwen comes home and her dad is in the recliner already a couple drinks deep. And she's like, I need to tell you something about my dreams. Please don't get mad. And he interrupts her and is like, hey, your mom also had dreams and saw and heard things that became convinced that they meant something. And it told her to do terrible things. And unfortunately, she then died by suicide. And I, I loved her. I don't want that for you. And she makes a comment of like, I loved mom the way she was. And so the implication being maybe if we had just believed her that this wouldn't have happened. However, if someone is having paranoid delusions, sometimes a little extra help in the form of a professional would be great. Yeah. You know, because the odds are she's not seeing the future in her dreams. Or the past. I mean, she was seeing the past in her dreams. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the 70s. So like really it's a flip of the coin of like, what's best that that's true therapy in the 70s was wild (laughs) there was some weird shit going on they didn't understand a lot so she then says well what if it could help me find finn and nobody he we cut away we don't know what he says yeah but what we do see is the very next shot is the cops show up and they interview a man that we are introduced to as max and he's like oh my god come inside and we realize that it is the same door this is the same house yeah and he's pointing out on this giant cork board it's like All these kids, it has to be like right here. It has to be in like this neighborhood because he's coked out and obsessing. I do love this scene because I was like, man, Max is like got to be on coke or something. And then like right after I thought that the the cop was like, hey, you may want to clean up before your brother gets home. And like this is like circle spin with his finger on the coffee table. And then it reveals (laughs) like three rails of coke. Like I was like, oh, Max is on coke. Here's what's terrible. It's two rails. 
and one slice into the coffee table because he's cutting it directly on a wood coffee table. Yeah, Max is an idiot. Like, he doesn't know yeah. to use a mirror. Like, this is before Scarface. Like, I get it. Yeah, you don't yeah, know yeah. the rules. Or just any, any like, a CD case, anything that's flat. Paige, it's 78. Oh, they, yeah. So, I'm sorry. They wouldn't have a CD case. But, like, a mirror, a plate, even. A plate? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, just get some wax paper and fold it up into a little bindle, and then you can just unfold it and snort it right out of that. I'm more mad that he ruined the finish on that table. That's wood <laughs> furniture, man. Yeah, we're concerned about that table. I'm worried about ruining the real fin, the one in the basement. The finish? Is that what you're worried about? Yeah. Fin, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he also <laughs> says... I don't live here. This is just my brother's place. And and they're like, well, if you see any of those boys, give us a call. And he's like, sure. And if I have any leads, I'll give you a call too. They're, right. And they're like, if you see any boys, yeah. give us a call. I do love that while he's talking to them in the house, he goes, now that we're all working on this case together and the cops yeah, like, yeah, look yeah. at each other. I, I, yeah. Like, uh, we got to get out of here. Yeah. And they do like, they nope out of that house so fast. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the camera pans down. And we reveal that Finn is in the basement. They yeah. were in the house. They were right there, which, again, is probably a nod to a couple different cases in the 70s where either people did escape and the cops literally returned them to Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, man. Or the cops visited the house and didn't realize people were there because they didn't do a thorough enough search. There's like so many stories of like about like that from this period that are infuriating in hindsight, they didn't have psychic children in those cases. Come on. That's true. You need a psychic kid. <laughs> do you want to know uh, his favorite drug in the basement there? I do want to know his favorite drug. Fentanyl. Oh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so we cut down to the basement <laughs> where Finn is digging that hole and he quickly covers it up. So we get a, a view of how he's covering with that rug. Yeah. And Ethan Hawke brings him breakfast, but he's got the newspaper and he's like, tell me your name because I don't get to find out the names till I see them in the newspaper. And Finn lies about his name. And he says, I was really starting to like you and dumps his breakfast out and throws the paper at him and walks away. Well, and says, I was going to let you go or something like that. Like, Yeah, which he wasn't. No, he wasn't absolutely not. But, you know, it's shitty to say that to a child who only wants to live. Right, right, right. So the phone rings and it's the paper boy, uh, but the phone hangs up. Yeah. And we cut to upstairs in the kitchen where Ethan Hawke is waiting and falling asleep and meanwhile downstairs finn starts to clean up the eggs and he's trying to get some sleep and he hears liquid dripping and he uses his little flashlight to kind of look around the room and he's looking at that crack in the wall yeah. that seems to have water damage but then he turns and we see a dead boy floating upside down dripping blood that then just points to the phone. Ugh. Such a creepy image, but so cool. That scared the shit out of me, man. Well, that's what he gets for putting his phone on Silent Hill. <laughs> this actually, and Mikey, I know you've seen this movie too. This reminded me of Crimson Peak. Yeah. But I think this does it better. Yes. I'm not a huge Crimson Peak fan. I'm not a huge Crimson Peak fan either although one of the cool things in the movie is that the ghosts kind of direct you you realize that the ghosts are benevolent and not malevolent and they are just trying to bring truth to light yeah and this seemed very much in that same vein and just the way they did it is so cool and this is cool. a very cool shot the the dead boys you know i'm guessing the story probably didn't have them appearing as ghosts but like they are very creepy throughout the movie they the jump scares are all the dead boys yeah. i'm sure in the in the book they were just on the phone but 
very much to the credit of the people who made this movie. They're very, very smart. Just listening, watching people on the phone the whole time is not interesting. So they got they came up with a way to make it visually interesting, even though it is phone calls. Oh, I thought it was effective. Yeah, me too. You see the kids talking in the scene and it, they just did the sound design in a way that makes it sound like they're on the phone even though they're just like standing next to the main kid and the sound would technically sound the same. Yeah. They just, you know, sound design it. So it sounds like they're on the phone. I I loved that. I thought it was great. Well, and I also thought it was interesting that Finn doesn't always see the kids. We see the kids. Yeah. But Finn doesn't necessarily. Yeah. There are times they're just like out of focus behind him. Yeah. So this is where he starts talking to you. This is Griffin Stagg. And essentially he was kind of an invisible kid. Yeah, no one really knew anything about him. No one paid attention to him. But this is where he introduces the name of the game, which is Naughty Boy. And if you don't play, he can't beat you. And if he can't beat you, he can't get to his favorite part. Right. So essentially, it's like he's trying to force you to fight. He wants to fight you, essentially. Yeah, he wants you to break a quote-unquote rule so he can punish you, and that eventually ends in your death. Right. And the phone basically reveals he's not been sleeping. He's in his chair passing out. Yeah. And Griffin, his bike lock or his combo lock is on the door to the outside. Yeah. And he wrote down the combination on the wall, but it's 23317, which could be 23317. It could be 23317. It could be 23317. So you have to kind of try all of them. Yeah. So we cut to... He goes upstairs. He sees Ethan Hawke asleep in the kitchen. Instead of walking past him to the door that goes out of the kitchen, he turns and goes through the living room to get to the lock. He gets it open, but that wakes the dogs. He makes a run for it outside, but Ethan Hawke gets in the van and intercepts him. And they literally fight on a neighbor's lawn. Yeah. And the light goes on and they freeze. And he basically says, if you make a sound or a move, I will gut you like a pig in the street. And the lights go out. He knocks him back out. Which is not even like a real metaphor. Like a pig in the street? Yeah. I'll gut you like a pig, comma, in the street. Yeah. We are in the street. Because they are, I mean, they're sort Mm -hmm. of in the yard, but they're street adjacent. Like, and he had a knife at his throat. Like, he definitely would have done it. Yeah. So we cut to Gwen. Gwen wakes up. She has not had a dream. And she prays. And this is the one where she's like, what the fuck? I, like, I prayed. I did all this. You didn't give me any dreams. I did love that. are you not real? What's happening? so funny. Very, very, very funny. Uh, But he wakes up, Finn wakes up back in the basement and the phone rings and he just says, fuck you. Because he's like, I got out and now I'm back. And this is Vance. And Vance is an asshole even on the phone. Yeah. Which I fucking love. But we get a flashback to him playing pinball and then knife fighting a guy in the fucking grab and go. And Finn is there, by the way. Finn is in the background of that knife fight. And as he holds the kid down, he carves seven seven four one into his arm which i have to imagine he didn't really do that in the moment of that fight like that's just her having the dream and getting that information right right and so he is arrested by police and then gwen gets in the car with him and at this point we realize this is gwen's dream yeah but she's hearing his conversation with finn essentially through the police radio in her dream. Yeah, so he's hearing it like it's a regular phone call from one of the dead kids, but she is in the dream with him, and he is saying this in the back of a police cruiser as they pull up to the house that we find out that they're buried in. Right, exactly. And it drives Gwen to the address, 7741. Now, granted, if that was Vance's house, and if Vance was one of the first kids he took, maybe that's how he got that second house. We don't know. We never find out. 
but it's okay. It doesn't impact the story really at all. Yeah. So we cut to the basement where he's talking to Vance. And Vance is like, have you tried stacking the carpets to reach the window? And he's like, do you know what I did? There's an outlet by the toilet. If you break through it, there's a freezer on the other side. And you can use the parts in the toilet to undo the screws on that panel and get into the freezer, which he does. He does the whole thing. But then the freezer door is locked and he can't get it open and ends up just crying. And you feel so bad for him. I mean, he dug through a wall with the top part of a toilet like that would have taken forever. Yeah, but look at all those free steaks. I mean, and he uses those later. Like everything he does, he uses to kill Ethan Hawke and get out of the house safely. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. No mistakes. <laughs> there were no mistakes in that freezer. He should have taken some of those steaks for himself later. Just been like, I'm getting out of this with party gifts. I wondered if those steaks were little boys. I did too. Yeah. I have that in my notes. Are these boy steaks or regular steaks? Yeah. I don't think so because he buried the bodies. Yes, I agree. Anyway, uh, he's crying and the phone is ringing. He gets up to answer it and it's Robin. And this at this one, I cried through. Yeah, because it's, it's his rough, friend. Man. And Robin basically walks him through like, all right, you're going to fill the phone with dirt so it's heavier. And then you're going to punch him. And we're going to do it this way. And they like practice it together. And you see them doing it this at the same time, which is very like sad, but also kind of fun that yeah. they're like fighting in unison. So he practices. He fills the phone with dirt. He takes that cord that he used to get the window grate off and ties it as like a trip wire. Yeah. And he basically just waits. Like, he lays in wait. Yeah. I mean, because the, the phone calls told him, like, it's today. He's going to yeah. kill you today. It's you or him. Figure it out. And he does. And he does. Uh, meanwhile, Gwen is riding through the streets looking for the house. Like, on a bike in the rain. Like, this sister is, like, sister of the year type shit. Gwen is awesome. Yeah. yeah. She's the best. Um, but she sees basically a whole line of ghost boys, all the boys that are dead. Well, and they scare her and like she falls off her bike right in front of the house. They're all buried in. Yep. Right in front of the house. They're all buried in. And so she immediately rides home and calls the detectives like instantly. And to their credit, they're like, kid psychic. We'll be right there. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. We got to get the what the judge to sign the warrant. Yeah. We have a kid psychic on the phone it says they know the house. Here you go. meanwhile the grabber gets supplies at the hardware store he gets like a drop cloth and a bunch of dirt so that he can fill in the grave so clearly he's gonna kill him that day like that is official oh yeah i mean when the cops go to the quote-unquote wrong house where he's burying the bodies there is an open grave waiting for him yep so the police head to the house but across the street max a couple rails deep Figures it out. I fucking love Max's epiphany moment because he's like staring at the map so and then good. like like in the middle of those pins is their street. And then he goes downstairs and man, oh, I was so sad what happened to Max. Well, it, it was very because he like goes to the locked door and it looks like maybe he's chickening out. But yeah. then we cut downstairs and Finn hears the door open and it is Max. And you're like, oh, my God, he's going to let him out. But instead, Max is still coked out. He's like, do you want to know how I found you? Oh, my God, I can't believe it's you. And you're just like, stop talking and run. Oh, my God. He's like, I'm not going to hurt you. But oh, my God, you got to hear this. Yeah. Let me tell you the story while you're still a prisoner in my house. No, I mean, you got to gloat when you can. (laughs) Well, that ended up with Max getting an axe to the head because he was like, do you want to know how I found you? Do you want to ask me any questions? (laughs) No. I know he got a splitting headache. Yeah, (laughs) I was like, how are you going to do Deputy No Name like that? I know. He was doing rail straight to the dome. Is that Deputy No Name? Is it the same guy? Uh Yeah, the (laughs) Citizen (laughs) 2. 
<laughs> I mean, the reason he is in his brother's house is because he was kicked out of his girlfriend's house from Sinister 2 and he needed a place to crash for a while. Well, I'll burn a fun fact. The crack that emanates out from the phone is actually a callback to Sinister and the cover. And the, Oh, yeah. The cover okay. I didn't catch that, but that makes complete sense. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's the same people, basically. Yeah. So the grabber comes down and immediately puts an axe in Max's head and he's like, you made me kill my brother. And it's like, Finn did nothing, but sure. Finn's like, no, I didn't. I didn't do that. That wasn't me. Mm. That's a lot to unpack there. We'll 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 circle around. (laughs) Yeah, uh, but he he takes the axe out of Max's head, and he's about to clearly use it on Finn. uh, But he also brings in his dog and chains it to the wall, and so. He basically says he's going to take my time because he wants it to hurt. And as we're kind of seeing all this happen, the cops get into the house and realize it's the wrong house. Yeah. So Finn makes a run for it and he kind of tricks him into tripping over that tripwire into the hole where he breaks the shit out of his leg. Oh, man. When he falls into that hole, I was like, and fuck it just yeah. crunches. Yeah, and, and you like, hear it and see it. It's gross. But like, I was just like, yeah, fuck that dude. I honestly thought Finn was just going to run out of the house and they were going to arrest him down there. But Finn goes for the murder and I'm here for it. Yeah, he does. And so he grabs him and unmasks him and he's punching him with the phone and choking him with the phone cord. Yeah. So he holds the phone receiver up to his his head so that he can basically hear all of the other boys say their piece. Yep. And be like, fuck you. And then he pulls the cord back, strangling him, and breaks his neck. Like, he pulls it back enough to snap his neck back. I did like how Bruce was like, dude, Finn's arm is mint. And, like, right when he says it, that's when he breaks Ethan Hawke's neck. I was like, yeah, man, I'm here for this. Although a 12-year-old probably couldn't break a grown man's neck over his shoulder, but whatever. I like it. I'm here for it. Yeah. And so at this point, we cut over to the other house where they're like, we've got a basement. And you're like, are they going to find him? But Finn... Goes and grabs the steak, gives it to the dog, walks up the stairs as the cops are coming down the stairs. Yeah. And we reveal that the cops are in a completely different basement. So at this point, you're like, where was she seeing this in her dreams? What is happening? Yeah. And they get down to the basement and realize he has buried all the kids there and there's an open grave for Finn. Yeah. And they're like, well, I guess he kills them someplace else. Yeah. So they come out of the house just as Finn is coming out of the house across the street. Yeah, and he sees his sister just sitting there. I do love that he just like walks out of the house as they're like freaking out. Like, he's not here. He's not here, but the bodies are. What's going on? He's like, I'm over here, you idiots. (laughs) I killed him in self-defense, obviously. I'm a badass. Let me slow walk away from this house. He does sort of like walk away from the house like it's exploding, you know, like in slow motion or whatever. If I was him, even if I was 12, you guys know how petty I am. I'd have been like, oh, don't mind me. I'm just over here doing your fucking job. (laughs) (laughs) You would. (laughs) So they run across the street and their dad shows up. We cut to... They're sitting in the coolest ambulance I've ever seen. And he's apologizing to them. And the news is there. Yeah. We cut to Finn going back to school and nobody fucks with him because they're like, that's the guy that killed the grabber. I heard he shot him. I heard he did all this other stuff. And then he sits next to his lab partner, Donna, and she's like, hey, Finny, I'm glad you're back. And he just says, call Call me Finn. Finn. And And that's that's the movie. 
movie. So having seen the movie and we talked about the movie, what do you guys think about The Black Phone? I really liked it. I liked it way more than I expected I would. But I thought it was really creative and really well done. I agree with Paige. I really liked it. I didn't think it was as scary as I thought it was going to be. But yeah, I, really it was scary. more like a suspense film for me than a scary yeah. film. But it's re- really good. I like a good serial killer film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, same. I thought it was a really good movie. I'm never going to watch it again because it did scare me. Uh, I do think I could watch it again and be okay because I know where the jump scares are now. But I do think like I really did sort of enjoy the themes of it. I enjoyed the way they executed on those themes. Like I sort of dug it. Yeah, I thought it was well made. Yeah, same. I really feel like Ethan Hawke's crew that he makes these horror movies with, like they know what they're doing at this point and they make great shit. So Paige, you have any fun facts for us? I do. Well, I hit us with your five facts. Magician, Black phone, fun, fun facts. facts. So he wears several creepy masks in the movie, as you know. Yes. And do you have a guess as to who designed them? No. Yehude Menuhin. I don't know. Tom Savini. No oh. shit. Oh Frequent my God. flyer on the horror version podcast. Yeah. Okay. That's very, very cool. Those were designed by Tom Savini. And they are really, like, they're really well done and they're lit so well. Like, again, whoever lit this movie did a great job. Yeah. So the black and white film that he's watching on TV when he falls asleep in uh, watching a horror movie is The Tingler from 1959. With the blood coming out of the... Yeah. It was kind of cool. It is cool because it's like everything outside of the tub is shot in black and white and the tub is in color which makes yeah. it pop so much more it was very very well done mm-hmm. so this movie was originally going to come out in January of 2022 which if you know anything yeah. about movie releases is where good movies go to die yeah you don't want to be released in January unless you're an Oscar movie and you just need to get a certain amount of screenings in to do your nomination um, but usually people dump movies they don't like in July in January or they don't have faith in right yeah exactly so that was the original original plan for this movie until they took it to test screenings and the test screenings did so well that they actually halted that release and pushed it to June of 2022 for a summer release which is where you put your movies that you have a lot of faith in and this movie did really well actually we'll talk about it I got all the numbers yeah Madeline McGraw who's the actress that played Gwen actually had two other projects in progress during the shooting schedule of this film really and so they held parts of production for her so that she could still do this movie because she was going to turn it down and they were like no we need her because she's amazing in it dude the scene where her dad's hitting her and telling her like your dreams don't mean anything and he's making her say it and she's having to say yes. it back she's and so like good. dude, that scene was like it's heart-wrenching but like you're also it's like so hard to watch she's, she's so good so in it good yeah like and and so is her dad in this in this movie. Like everyone's just really good. Like this, it sort of reminded me of Stranger Things because there's like a lot of kid actors, but like they're all yeah. really good. Yeah. So director slash co writer Scott Derrickson almost didn't get to make this movie because he was busy making Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness until. He was removed from the project for creative differences, oh, or rather, okay. he left. There's differences. Some people are like he was fired. He was like I left. Sure, he probably it's probably a little column A and column B. Same thing with when Edgar Wright left Ant Man or whatever. Yeah, um, he does remain on as an executive producer for the movie, but instead he chooses to make this. So him not doing Multiverse of Madness is how we got this great movie. So the Grabber is based on the following real life serial killers. Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, and Jeffrey Dahmer specifically. Okay. Ted Bundy is where we get the van from because he used to lure victims to help him get things into his van. 
And once he loads it, he shuts it, much like Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, it would be like a couch or whatever. He would have them like go in, lifting that mm-hmm. side of the couch, and then he would close the doors on them. Yeah. Yep. So scary, man. Fuck. Yep. And John Wayne Gacy would use a belt on his victims, but also was a clown instead of a ma- magician and exclusively uh, kidnapped teenage boys. And had them do the handcuff trick and stuff like, fuck, Yep, dude. the handcuff trick. Most of them that. also worked for his construction company. Yeah. And then would mysteriously go missing. Yeah. Uh, but it was the 70s, so they just called them runaways. Uh, and then finally, Jeffrey Dahmer, who did have one victim escape only to be recaptured and returned to him, which if you watch the Dahmer documentary, they interview the, the women who encountered that escaped victim and they are to this day horrified that he got returned because they were like no that clearly he's running from that guy and the police didn't listen to that it's not their fault though like they didn't return no yeah of course not the police yeah the police did. did yes yeah they did what any concerned citizen should do yep yeah so at 42 minutes and 14 seconds when gwen dreams about finn's kidnapping She sees him banging at that door, shouting for help. Remember, she goes to look for that door. Yeah. As the camera zooms out, you can see that the number on that door is 7471. I didn't notice that. It's different from 7741, which is the number we hear for all the ghost boys, because it's the house across the street. Yeah. Okay, cool. I missed that, but that's cool. Yep. And those are your fun facts. Well, think of those fun facts page. Let's talk a little bit about box office. So what do you think the production budget was for the black phone? And I'm going to say last year because they made it last year, but it came out this year. I'm going to say $8 million. Okay. Ooh, I was going to go 12. Page, you're closer. It actually was $16 million. So if you take the difference between what Mikey said and then what you said, and then add that to what you said, it, it equals $16 million. Yeah, so we're right. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, in the realm. This looks great for 16 Yes, it does. Absolutely. But I mean, I would say that like I would not be surprised if this was like a five or ten million dollar budget either, just because a lot of the people who do this kind of horror can do them really well. Yeah. 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 The one that blew me away the most was Invisible Man. I think they made that for seven million dollars. And that is insane to me. Well, they did shoot a lot of it overseas. That helps. That does help. You're right. Okay. Either way. So this movie premiered, as Paige was saying, on June 24th, got pushed back to June instead of in January. It was number four the week it came out it was beat by Elvis which was also in its first week Uh, number two was Top Gun Maverick in its fifth week out Number three was Jurassic World Dominion, which was in its third week out. The Black Phone obviously was number four, and Lightyear was number five, and it was in its second week out. Fun fact about Top Gun Maverick, this week was the week it went past $500 million in the box office. Oh, interesting. I still haven't seen that one. It's worth seeing. Um, So what do you think the Black Phone made in its opening weekend? And remember, it was fourth. Fourth opening weekend, I'm going to say it made $10 million. Okay. Now, I'm going to go eight again. Okay. Uh, it actually made $23.6 million in its opening nice. weekend. Yeah. I mean, every every movie that was in the top five made over $18 million that weekend, which is really good. I mean, it is like box office season. Kids are it out of school. It is your peak summer weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So it made a lot of money, but so did a lot of movies that weekend. It was in the theaters for nine weeks total. I mean, honestly, it's still in theaters now so the box office may very well go up from the figures i'm about to tell you but do you want to guess where it is as of the recording today on august 25th 2022 do you want to guess how much it's made domestically 
I'm going to guess that it's at 80 million. Okay. Mikey, do you want to guess? 65. All right, Paige, you're closer. It's $88.8 million domestically, and then another $67.7 million internationally for a total of $156.6 million, and it's still in theaters. That's a lot of money for this kind of release. Yeah. But honestly, that makes me happy because this was a good, well-written, well-made movie, and I love when those make money. Yeah, Mm -hmm. me too. Anytime a movie that's $16 million to make makes 10 times that, those people are definitely going to work again, which makes me happy because everyone in this movie did a great job. And I know we can't have a sequel because he is dead. We could do a prequel, though, and I'd be here for that. I My pitch for the prequel is we learn what happened to him to develop the game. Yeah, it is sort of making a murderer, but like Black Phone Edition, right? Yeah, it's it's a, a little Luigi origin of evil. Yeah, I'm here for that. But that is your box office. Mike, do you want to hit him with that scary scale? Yeah, listeners, our scary scale is a scale of 1 to 10 of how scary we found the film today. Our one example is Ghostbusters, and our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Paige. Uh, this is a 1 for me. Toddy. I'm going to give it a 3. I'm also going to give it a 1. All right. And that's our scary scale. All right. This week, you guys made me watch The Black Phone. What are you making me watch next week? Well, it is new releases month. Yeah. So next week, we are watching Prey. Uh, Which is streaming on Hulu right now. Yes. I love Prey. I am going to watch it in the original Comanche with subtitles. Same. I've already watched the uh, English version. When I watch it again for our recording, I'm going to watch that version. Mm-hmm. I am very excited to talk about this movie. Yeah, you loved this movie, Todd. We'll talk about it next week. So your homework for next week is to go to Canada, and I'm assuming the 1700s, and fight a predator, and then watch the movie Prey. Or watch Predator 2 and... Watch Gary Busey fight a predator. Mikey, how many child predators do you think you could take? Like, you crash land on the predator planet, and you, like, crash land in a kindergarten class. The teacher dies. How many of those predator kids do you think you can kill? Okay, I have some questions. One, do they wear the predator armor? Yes, they're dressed for school. Yes, absolutely. Do they have the weapons attached to them? Yes. That's a part of their out. Yes, Mikey, of course. They just give those to predator kindergartners? Yes, they're in school, Mikey. Yes. How do you think they learn how to use them? Yes. One. I think maybe one. Okay. Okay. I could get the jump on one, and then I'd be murdered by a predator kindergarten class. Yep. There you go. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? I do. Awesome. Well, whose review are you going to read this week? Todd, adopt me. I can bark. (laughs) Uh, I hope that that's not sexual. Oh, it's probably because I have a lot of animals. Right? That's what I'm going to choose to assume. Sure. I don't like this at all. You have as many animals as the grabber has children buried in his basement. Mikey, I think I actually have more. Yeah, no, I I think you actually do have more. Because I think he was killing his sixth victim, and we have seven animals. It concerns me a little bit that someone's, like, Apple ID name is Todd Adopt Me I Can Bark. Like, what's the character limit? All right, let's (laughs) read the review. What do they have to say? The title of the review is, I love these freaks. Okay. They say, hey, besties, listen to this podcast. I've been listening to these three lovely hosts since summer 2020. Ooh, the alone times. Yeah. And can comfortably say they've got me through college, two internships, and six road trips. Wow. Okay. I turn it on full volume right as I'm about to shower. 
I don't know why. This is getting weird. I don't know why, <laughs> but Mikey's jokes, Paige's laugh, and Todd's screams really set the ambience for a nice scrub, car ride, or walk on campus. Two of those are normal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The scrub and the, and the car ride. Car ride, yeah. <laughs> Who walks on campus? Oh, the scrub's the weird one. My bad. Sorry. Get a golf cart. What? <laughs> <laughs> My roommates haven't said anything about it, so I can only assume they find it just as nice as I do. Anyway... Thanks for this podcast, and I fully expect to continue listening through my last year of university and beyond with love and wishing you all the best. Five stars. Well, Todd, adopt me. I can bark. Thank you so much for that awesome five-star review, and thanks for letting us come with you on these, uh, let's just say, six road trips and avoid the shower conversation, but... No, you know, I'm going to say that Todd has an opening for a new pet. And if you'd like to enter, go nuts. <laughs> and if you want to have Mikey read your five-star review, leave us a five-star review. So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at horrorvirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. Mikey is at mrandolph24 and I am at Todd J. Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm-hmm, than the mm-hmm. regular feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys, check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If you want to financially support me but not Todd, just look me up on Venmo. If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable, that's fine, but if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horrorvirgin. We also link it like once a week, so just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. Literally, we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And guys, we got a P.O. box, so if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, guys. Check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. This episode was brought to you by Tia, and Tia's teenager's been driving her crazy. So how is Tia's teenager driving her crazy this week? She's ran up her phone bill having ghost phone sex with uh, <laughs> James Dean. Ooh. <laughs> Honestly, I get it. I mean, I think that's more of a teen boy thing, but you know, who knows? Crush on who you're going to crush on, and then ghost call them for phone sex. This episode also brought to you by Jonathan, and Jonathan wants me to show you guys some spooky spider videos. So let me do that now. So here it is. Oh, that's the one I sent earlier today. I don't like her. She's explaining how to capture a huntsman spider. Oh, this is the real one, not not the joke one that I sent earlier today. That is so funny because this is the exact video that they made the joke out of. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That spider is so big. It is huge. Well, it's a huntsman. You know, they be big. 
I don't like her at all. Oh man, Mm-mm. she is like just letting it sit on her hand like that's a normal thing to do. Look how happy she looks. I I hate you, lady. Look at her whole outfit. She is wearing like a green sweater that has like webbing around the neckline and a big ass spider on it. I don't like it. I'm just going to say that this is why I like the version I sent better where she goes to trap it and then it just burns the house down. <laughs> yeah, it's like a cartoon of just like a like a house on fire. It was very funny. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for the spooky spider videos and for the support. We love you. Thank you so much. This episode is also brought to you by the number Jeff. And Jeff wants you to check out his podcast, Kissing Jessica Jones, where each week they break down a new episode of the Jessica Jones, Agent Carter, or WandaVision, Netflix, Marvel, Disney Plus TV shows. So if you want to break down podcasts of any of those shows, check out Kissing Jessica Jones. We now return you to another episode of... uh, the Patreonicals. All right, so we're going to take a timeout on whatever the fuck I was talking about before. Okay. And all of them are going to get on a ghost phone and have phone sex with people. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac, he gets on the phone. Oh, wait, you're really doing this? Yeah. Okay. Who's a famous cannibal who's dead? Jeffrey Dahmer. Dahmer. Isaac, I mean, I don't think he's going to want that. We're going to say one of the people who was on that movie alive, the real rugby team. Oh, okay. Ooh, rugby. Mm-hmm. They got them shoulders. They got, they them, got shoulders. them thighs. Well, they ate some of them. Ugh. I mean, put me next to some shoulders. I'm not going to not take a bite of them, you know? Dave, he decides to have ghost phone sex with Rasputin because he also died a lot. The, hey, you know what? I feel like they might have some things in common. Yeah, they would definitely have a lot to talk about because they both died many different ways. Yeah. Kate would talk to Yuri Geller. Wasn't he a famous fraud psychic? I mean, every psychic is a fraud psychic. Yeah. That's who That's who Kate would talk to. He's also famously still alive, Yuri Geller. Oh, Yuri Geller's alive. Um, yeah, she would talk to Howard Hughes. Okay. Okay, because he also was obsessed with planes. Ooh, yes. tell me about your spruce goose. Tell me about your jars of urine. <laughs> oh. Uh, Karun would talk to Buzz Aldrin. Because he's an alien. Buzz is still alive, is he not? No, y'all told me he was dead. No, no we Neil Armstrong was dead. We talked to Neil Armstrong. No, Buzz Aldrin is still alive. Motherfucker's 92 years old and still punching moon deniers. Amy would, she'll also do Neil Armstrong. Oof. And why not? His phone's blowing up. I mean, <laughs> yeah. He got that square, blocky head. Exactly. Man. And he was the first person to like really get up in that moon's guts. If you believe that he got to the moon at all, just saying. He totally did, yes. <laughs> The problem with Patreon is there's a lot of moon-related people, and there's only one Buzz Aldrin. Again, Buzz Aldrin still alive. He's still alive. It's Neil Armstrong. This was a bad idea, Mikey. No, we're we're halfway through now. We gotta we've gotta finish. That's okay. what he tells all of his <laughs> ladies. Scott's made of the thing. You should call Rock Hudson. I like that. Good one. <laughs> all right, uh, Kaylee. She would um do it with the Donut King guy. He's alive, dude. Is he still alive? Yes. <laughs> he's alive at the end of that documentary and visits stores cody's gonna talk to he's the pawn shop so he's gonna obviously call the dad from the dad pawn, from pawn stars, pawn stars. Who yeah. is dead. Like, okay. that's a good all one all right yeah. all right he's like the best i can do with an afterlife 
Yeah, the best I can do is pissing through a paper bag. And you're just like, what the hell are you saying, man? <laughs> yeah, I've watched too much Pawn Stars. Yeah, they don't have a healthy family dynamic. No, we used to make a drinking game out of it where whenever people would come in with something in a bag, we'd try to guess what was in the bag. <laughs> and, <laughs> and my roommate and I were sitting on the floor of our living room because we didn't have a couch. It was a long story. Anyway, so we're sitting watching Pawn Stars. And this guy comes in with a huge bag and her brother was on speakerphone with us. And we're like, oh, this guy just walked in with a huge bag and he just goes, it's a stamp collection. And we're like, that's the craziest guess. And then the guy just dumps a whole bag of stamps <laughs> onto <laughs> the counter and we lost our minds. Anyway, so good. Drink and watch Pawn Stars, I guess. Uh, Bo Easy, will, he will talk to um, the crocodile, Steve Irwin, because he's a Florida man. Crikey. Crikey. Yes. Yeah. Kaylee and Danielle and uh, Danielle and Libby, the Mun people, they're going to have sex with the inventor of monster cheese because that's the closest one I could get. Monster cheese? Mm-hmm. You said the word monster cheese, though, right? <laughs> you did. And I'm pretty sure that Aldi does like a monster monster like every <laughs> Halloween. I do love monster <laughs> cheese. It's good. Uh, Allie will have, this is a really big throwback because Allie's a mermaid. She is going to have ghosts. What was the name of that dolphin that crashed all those ships in that canal that you did that bonus episode on? Oh, my God, Mikey. I cannot (laughs) believe that you remember that. That is amazing. I I don't even know what no, you're it's, talking it's about. It's before your time. It's like it's a throwback of like six years. Yeah, it's <laughs> Polaris Jack is his name. She's okay. gonna call Polaris Jack, who they thought was a mermaid page, but he was a beluga whale. No, he was a dolphin. And whatever. And Mikey, he only crashed one boat. He guided all of the other boats through that passage safely. It <laughs> was only the one boat that shot at him. He remembered That's two right. years later or some shit and then sunk that boat. Fuck. That's who she calls. So it's basically the prequel to Orca? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's totally 100%. That. Except it's a dolphin and awesome. And why nobody like him a whale? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dreskel. Uh, obviously, George Washington. He's the head of the Illuminati. It's got to be, oh, right? Uh, yeah, sure, sure, yeah. sure. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Wes, he is going to do it with uh, Michelangelo because he's made of clay. And so was not the David because that's made of marble. But, you know, we're going to get there. Close enough. Yeah, sure. It's all sculpting on some level. Yeah. Just like this body. <laughs> you both didn't have to laugh. It's incredibly hurtful. It's sculpted out of cream cheese. <laughs> oh, honestly, delicious. It's better than, better than cottage cheese. Yeah. Uh, Nathan, the professional wrestler, obviously... He will. Brett the Hitman Hart. Well, and a three with a threesome with him, Brett the Hitman Hart and Macho Man Randy Savage. And the Ultimate Warrior. And the Ultimate Warrior. I do love that it's a four way ghost sex call. It's a yeah. battle royale. Really. <laughs> I think we only have Shining Donut left. What's a good donut historical figure? Hanson Gregory the invented the donut. the donut in 1847. So there's no way he's still alive. Yeah, he's going to have sex with that guy and Julia Childs. Hell yeah. And our last one is Jeremy. And he has laser eyes. So Jordy from Next Generation. <laughs> he's still <laughs> except, alive. <laughs> except that that's a character, not a person. <laughs> Jeremy, you're actually going to hook up with Abraham Lincoln because I want to throw him into this. Hell yeah. And that's some bullshit I did for yeah. the Patreonicals today. We'll go back to our original 
stuff next week. I guess we'll have to wait and see what that's going to be on another episode of The, the Patreonicals. That's going to be it for us, you guys, on Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd. Keep it ooky spooky. Yeah. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Murderous dolphin nerds. Guys, Google Polaris Jack. It's amazing. <laughs> it's honestly still on the Patreon. The bonus episode where I talk about it is still on Patreon.